You're listening to the Northern Hunter Podcast, home of all things hunting, fishing, and outdoors in Alaska. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, James Payne, and I'm here with my co-host, Dalton Gray. Hello, how are you doing? Fantastic. And Mariah Humphreys. Howdy. And we are fortunate enough to be here with our featured guest, fellow predator hunter and good buddy, Chris Perez. How are you doing today, man? Good, man. Good. All right. So we have a couple of topics we're going to hit real quick. We had a, not a listener question, but a listener comment. Let me get into the email real quick. Um, which one was this under? So Rick wrote into the show and I like this for a couple of reasons and I'm going to talk about it for a couple of reasons. Okay. I think it's awesome when people comment into the show, not necessarily with a question, but just an opinion. Okay. And yeah. doesn't necessarily always have to be one we agree with mm-hmm. or anything like that, but yeah. it's cool to get that kind of interaction and it can spark a conversation or it can't, yeah. but uh, yeah. you know, for anybody listening, if you, if you want to write into the show, you maybe don't have a question per se, but you just want to comment on something that we say, we, we like reading that too. We won't always talk about every single one, but you know, they're, they're good to read. So Rick writes into the show and he says, Love the show. Just going to weigh in on the expandable broadheads. This is something we talked about with Brad Ivy a couple episode, episodes ago. Yeah, episode 19, I think it was. Yep. yep. He says he's from Illinois where the only big game is white-tailed deer. We are allowed to use dogs to track wounded deer, and the trackers here hate the expandable broadheads. They mm. say the high majority of their calls are due to those heads, and that the, also the majority of deer they cannot recover are shot with expandable broadheads. Mm. So, and, and this is something I've heard multiple times. Yeah. You know, there's tons of, tons of stuff all over the onlines about that. And yeah. that's kind of a big reason people stay away from them. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I would encourage, if you're looking at, at hunting with expandable broadheads, definitely go listen to that episode. You yeah. said it was episode 19. Could, it was a wealth of information on that stuff, but. Yeah. Episode 19, we interviewed Brad Ivey. Mm-hmm. He's a big-time bow hunter up here. Yeah. And uh, we, we got into a broadhead discussion about mechanical and expanding broadheads versus fixed blade cut-on contact. Yeah. And he subscribes to the expandable broadhead with a light arrow and a fast setup. And yep. That's pretty contrasting to the arrow setups that Mariah and yeah. I run. Yeah. And we've had good luck with our setups, and he's had good luck with his setups. And yeah. I think, well, we were talking about this before we started recording, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention this again. I, I look at it similar to like the light caliber match bullet combination mm-hmm. that we see in the, in the gun hunting world. Yeah. And we've talked a lot about shooting ethics before, but in a controlled environment, mm-hmm. in a situation where you can guarantee a broadside shot mm-hmm. or you know you can put it in the ribs right at a close distance yep it's probably going to work but it's not advisable you Correct. know yeah uh as as far as the expanding broadheads go in the lightweight arrow if you hit heavy bone mm-hmm. there there is no forgiveness there yeah mm-hmm. um ri- ribs are one thing but right I mean, if you hit that shoulder bone, right, and and I mean, basically, you're excluding yourself from even being able to take hard quartering away shots. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, no quartering two shots, right, with expandables. But 
Well, and that was kind of my takeaway and, and kind of what I, I wanted to, to comment on this is it. Yeah. Because I've been doing a lot of research into different broadheads and everything. I'm getting a bow set up right now. And, okay. You know, it seems like the, the expandable broadheads just have this attraction to them. Yeah. Everybody's talking about them. Everybody thinks they're just the coolest thing. And I think a lot of new archers fall into that. Well, and, and you can probably a, a say that of, a lot of people are shooting the mechanical broadheads that aren't the style and that don't have the knowledge that, yeah. that someone like Brad has yeah. and don't do the research into it. And they end up shooting these aluminum ones that have the different rates of, you know, the different cutting widths and everything. And yeah. they're, they're maybe you had gone on a, a pretty ex- expansive rant at one point in one episode about accuracy and making sure that if you're going to go bow hunting that you right. practice right. practice right. practice make I, sure you're I was, ethical i was just going to comment about that i I, yeah. I do think that well i know that a lot of the appeal with mechanical broadheads is that they shoot at targets mm-hmm. to the same point of impact as your field points do right and like even brad said he just tightens the set screw on his mechanical broadhead so that they mm-hmm. don't open up the blades and he never even shoots field points he just shoots his broadheads. Right. But again, Brad is that excessively knowledgeable guy that really takes his time and spends the, spends the yeah. time on his homework and practices an absolute mm-hmm. ton. And the same situation, again, I'll, I'll use the comparison. The only guys that I know of that have had good success with shooting game with match bullets with lighter caliber guns are the guys that really, really know their stuff mm. and they know when it's not going to work too. Right. Um, and they're patient. Yeah. They're, they're, they're disciplined. There's a, there's a certain and, level of expertise that I think you need to be at before you start tinkering with that. For me, I mean, I, I'm sure Brad is just screaming at his radio right now, just listening to this. We're not contradicting you, buddy. We're just, no, no, we're no. just taking well, a comment. I, I, yeah, I mean, to an extent, I, I am. I, I, Brad and I see differently mm-hmm. about arrow weights and broadheads. Yeah, but I, I mean, that's just part of being. I just think that's just part of being in the circle. I, I you think know? my personal, from what I've taken away just on the research I've done, is I, I think a lot of the hate for expandable broadheads, not saying they don't deserve a certain level of uh, caution, like yeah. you're talking about, right. of know-how before you use them, but right. I, I think a lot of it is actually due to negligence mm. and just not understanding the limitations of your setup. Yeah, People, yeah. if you've got people that are taking shoulder shots at mm-hmm. deer, or maybe they're not taking shoulder shots, but they're not good enough shots to not hit the shoulder. Or they're shooting at 60, you know? 70, 80 yards, and they're making bad shots unintentionally. Right. I, yeah. I think that, to me, that would be probably the higher cause for why there's so many calls on using dogs to track these deer is, yeah. is not because of the broadhead, but because of the shooters yeah. of the broadhead. Absolutely. And, and that's kind of what was my takeaway. Absolutely. And kind of what I, my research had showed. But. And I'm not saying that a heavy arrow with a great fixed blade cut on contact broadhead mm-hmm. is going to make up for a poor shot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if you gut shoot an animal, you gut shoot an animal, no matter what you hit it with, it's not going to turn out mm-hmm. well. Right. Um, so, you know, proficiency with archery goes a long, long ways. It does. And yeah. practicing it. And well, and Brad mentioned it in that episode 19 archery is a perishable skill and if you don't yeah. keep mm-hmm. up i mean i i snow blowed in my yard uh just this last week and it's an interesting term for that 
I, I used the snowblower. How about that? Um, but anyway, it, it's it's starting to get warm out here, and yeah. it's been up in the you know, um, man, was it forty degrees a couple it was, days ago? It was yeah, a little I mean, above that actually. The was, snow has been melting, so I, I was out clearing mm-hmm. the snow in the yard to my archery targets, and I, I've got a lane, and I've been you know I've shot my bow, mm-hmm. and uh, you know in in preparation for possibly using it not on the spring bears, and maybe not. I don't know. I've got yeah. some new stuff that we'll talk about here in a second <laughs> that I might be shooting a gun at a bait this year, but we'll see. Yeah, but you know. I, I, I think that the biggest point I have about it is you got to stay up on your practice. Right. You just have to be proficient. Yeah, you can't pull your bow out two weeks before season opens no, and expect to be proficient. No. And if you decide to go with the mechanical broadhead route, then, I mean, you really need to know your stuff. Right. Yeah. You know, that's not something just, just to do just because it's the cool thing to do on the market right now. Right. So. And if you are, something you want to say, yeah, yeah, go I, for it. I, I think a lot of, you know, I remember just as a kid, my dad was up, uh, hunting, hunting bears with a buddy and his, his buddy was shooting expandables. And I remember my dad coming back and telling, talking about how many problems he had with the expandables. Mm. You know, Mm. I don't know what they were, what brand or anything like that. I think, um, with a fixed blade broadhead, the, one of the biggest difference between a fixed blade and a, and an expandable is with a fixed blade, even a dull fixed blade, it's still mm-hmm. going to cut. It's still going to penetrate most of the time. Whereas if you have a poor quality, a poor quality fixed blade is still a broadhead in that shape and it's still going to cut, yeah. right? Yeah. Right. It may not fly great. It may not penetrate or cut great because it may be dull. Yeah. yeah. But a mechanical has a lot more likelihood to fail. And so if you were shooting cheap yeah. or low quality mechanicals, there's a lot, lot more likelihood that the problem is going to be stuff's rattling stuff mm-hmm. gets stuck yeah. some of the originals you had little rubber bands you put on them that yeah. would hold the blades down <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. you lose that rubber band you know and, and yeah. so it opens up in flight and changes everything and mm-hmm. i think there's probably a lot more to do with that in overall yeah. and, and right. it comes back to being proficient and knowing what you're shooting yeah. right and not just buying the first thing that you see yeah. when you walk in the store being yeah. educated on what right. you're actually the coolest, using the yeah. coolest looking broadhead is probably the expandable right well, oh, yeah. And yeah. that's what I mean. It just has this attraction to it that I think draws in a lot of And of expanding broadheads have the greatest marketing. They do. Know? They have all these crazy names. Yeah. And the, oh, picture, yeah. the picture on the packaging is all these monstrous white tails yeah. or black bears. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's advertised to be all that in a bag of chips, but yeah. it's not. <laughs> so Sorry, so, Brad, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure he'll be back and he'll have something to say about it at some point. I, I will say, and Dalton said this before the show too, since that conversation, we've both reconsidered some of our thinking on expandables. Oh, right? yeah. Right. To a point, I don't know if I'll ever shoot them, but I definitely... Mm, taking a second glance. Taking a, taking a second glance. And yeah. when I hear somebody say they shoot mechanicals now, I don't necessarily just write them off as yeah. ignorant like yeah. I used to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't the right attitude to have, but you know, it's, it's, it's hard. more of a, of an education standpoint, right? Like how much do they actually know about their equipment? Right. That comes back to that proficiency statement. Yeah. But. So Rick, thank you very much for writing into the show. And again, it wasn't a question, but a comment. And we love, we love getting these. Sometimes yeah. we just talk about them, you know, between each other and everything, yeah. but yeah. sometimes they're, they're pretty interesting and relevant. So we'll, yeah. we'll definitely bring those up in the show. Yeah. And if you are the kind of person that is shooting expandable broadheads and having trouble with not being able to find your deer or anything like that, 
I would highly recommend you go listen. And let's say this is the, your first episode. You should go listen to episode 19. Yeah. Uh, what do we call that? Alaska bow hunting with Brad Ivy? Yeah, something, something like, like that. Yeah. Called that. Yeah. yeah. So go yeah. find that episode. Give that a listen. The guy's an absolute wealth of information. Yeah. He's, he's a, a total archery nerd and yeah. i mean that in the best possible way right oh yeah and yeah. uh he's a great guy yeah and and it, you'll learn a ton that, that was a very very yeah. good episode i enjoyed doing that yeah, one that so. was a great show but before we get too far i realized i forgot to tell the listeners what the content of this one was going to be so we're gonna be talking about predator hunting and that's that's what chris here is is here to talk about you are probably the most obsessed predator hunter i've ever met in my life so uh, I'm, I'm very happy you're here and we have one announcement that or actually two announcements i guess that yeah. dalton's going to take away and uh before we get into that but just hang in there people we're going to be talking all things predator hunting and fur but before we get to that dalton you want to take that away so in our initial stages as a company mm -hmm. we have uh, strived to be associated with the right crowd in this industry yeah. okay very much so and i i know in the last episode we announced that we were working with betum 907 mm -hmm. and also now we are sponsored through yukon river knives we have a discount code through them yep. where at checkout you can just uh type in the discount code the northern hunter at checkout and get a discount on all their knives i just got their box of knives in the mail and uh, they are Beautiful. Nothing short of impressive. Yeah. They are extremely high quality. The craftsmanship is great. The presentation yeah. is great. They all come in their nice little wooden boxes mm -hmm. with a certificate of authenticity. Uh, that Just a great, great product for, honestly, even without the discount that we get through mm -hmm. the show, I mean, I, I would have no problem paying full price for right. it. Right. But... All of our listeners can get a significant discount. Yes, very generous discount. On all their knives. that They've been very generous with working with us. And, and we're excited to help them grow their brand. Yeah. And to be honest, just to go off on a little side tangent here, the knife industry is crowded, mm -hmm. okay? There are a lot of great knives out there. And there are a lot of great companies based in America that are making high-quality knives for the hunters out there. Mm -hmm. But these knives come in at... Uh, some of the models are about half the price of any of your standard household knife company names in the right. States right now. And these are easily the exact same quality level as any other name brand out there that you can think of. Yeah. And they have everything from fleshing knives to everyday just utility style knives. Yeah. I, I've been carrying the Hunter around on my belt since I got it in the mail mm -hmm. a few days ago. I really like that knife. Yeah. Um, and the small game. And uh, Mariah and I both got their rifle sling mm -hmm. with the, uh, the the little mini ATK knife, which stands for always there knife. Mm -hmm. And that fits into the little sheath in the sling. So that in the event that you do forget your main hunting knife and you kill something, you can still gut it and take it apart with that little mini knife. Right. It's better than using your broadheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I'm but, sure uh, it is. Well, and you know, I, I was playing around with, with that hunter before we started yeah. uh, recording you know, yeah. that you'd brought in. And I'm amazed yeah. at not only the weight. It's a yeah. very light knife, but the, I guess, I guess the word would be ergonomic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Style of the handle. Yes. It just mm -hmm. feels good. Yes. Like it feels out great. playing with it, doing the different motions and it everything. It, it, it just, it's, yeah. it's very, it's very solid and very comfortable. Knife. Absolutely. Yes. It's very high quality. So anyway, on that note, 
Mm-hmm. Yukon River, uh, I, I know we mentioned their mission statement. A portion of all their profits goes to support a missionary actually up here in Alaska. Yeah. Great company, good Christian folks, like-minded, have, uh, th- they're a company of integrity. Right. And another couple of companies that I was really interested in reaching <laughs> out to that, uh, to be honest with you, I didn't expect any interest. Mm-hmm. But uh, through a few connections and the help of, of a few other folks in the industry, those doors were opened. And yeah. now the Northern Hunter podcast and our crew here is going to be working with hammer bullets this year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're going to be shooting hammers, uh, I, I think, exclusively. Uh, that's my plan. That, that's that's all 100%. of our plans here. Yeah. So hammer bullets is based out of Kalispell, Montana. Mm-hmm. USA made a couple of good guys. Uh, Steve down there, I've been talking to a lot. Mm. And just just a couple of guys that that saw a need in the hunting bullet market. Mm. They weren't happy with the selections that were available. Yeah. And so they made an all copper bullet with a hollow point that expands rapidly after impact. Yeah. Sheds the pedals, dumping a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And then the shank, which is anywhere from 60 to 80% weight retention with that flat nose after the pedals shear off. And real quick, that's continues. depending on the model. Yes. Because they're designed for either 60 or 80. It's, yes. not, a, it's not a variable of you might right. get one or the other. Right. Yeah, the, it uh, is designed to do one thing the or hammer the other. hunter. Hang okay. on a sec. Sorry. Yes. We'll get to that. But after it sheds the pedals, the shank will keep penetrating so mm-hmm. that you get that traditional value of a mono metal mm-hmm. with that ultra deep penetration on thick game. But you still get the energy dump and even more than mm. a bonded core lead bullet. The results, and I don't use this word very often, but the results on game mm-hmm. are dramatic. Yeah. The kills are dramatic. Yeah. It works awesome. And- so I'll let Mariah talk okay. a, a, a little bit here. Yeah. I know he got started here. I, I was going to say, just because James mentioned they were different, and there's two mm-hmm. primary. They make some other ones. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you mentioned the con the, with the concave bullet types when we talked about that a few episodes ago. I did not. Okay, so mm-hmm. they have those options too. They have solids. They have solids that are a concave okay. or convex, whichever that is. Concave, I think. Concave, concave yeah. yeah. Anyway, they have some, and not in all calibers, but in several calibers, they have those available. Right. But the, uh, I believe the Hammer Hunters, they say 60 to 70% expansion yep. Yep. or, or uh, weight retained retain, weight. And then the, uh, it's the Shock Hammers that are the 80%. Which have now yeah. been renamed to the Power Hammer. Okay, yeah. Yes. Are, thought, are they are they updating that across their website? Because I looked the other day and it still said Shock Hammer. Um, the ones that I've been looking at that we'll get to here in a second mm-hmm. are renamed to Power Hammer. Okay. But okay. At wow. any rate, those ones are a little bit larger hollow point. Those are uh, slightly lower BCs for a little mm. bit more moderate range mm-hmm. hunting, but you get the you get a little bit faster expansion. Yeah. Um, but well, anyway, and that's the thing I love about them, honestly. And, and yeah. a little 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 secret thing: I was actually going to test these bullets this year. Any, me too. Anyways, yeah. Uh, me too. I had I had a a full a full shopping cart full of different ones I was going <laughs> to buy for my my current arsenal. Yeah, and you know we, we've talked on the show, and yeah. people that have listened to the show probably have heard us talk back and forth about bonded and mono metals and things like that and the thing i love about these guys is they fixed both problems yeah the people that didn't like lead core because they don't penetrate far enough well the hammer penetrates mm-hmm. through and through right I mean, the majority of the time yeah and the th- people that didn't like the mono metals like the barns and whatnot because they had the slower expansion rate and mm-hmm. they didn't expand as wide right 
but they penetrated really good. Yeah. But they didn't have that energy dump that yeah. most of the lead cores do. Yeah. Well, the hammers do that too. Yeah. It's, it's like they took it is they, the they took best. the complaints from both sides yeah. and they just fixed it. And the thing yep. I really love about these guys is not only their backstory, their backstory is phenomenal. Yeah. But watching them evolve, I've actually been watching Hammer Hunter for some mm-hmm. time now. Yeah. And because that's that was the model I was going to buy initially. And watching them interact with the people that use these bullets. Yeah. They have like a forum on their webpage that you can go to and then make comments and they actually interact and yeah. they're, they're commenting and yeah. and watching them take comments and take data mm. and just apply that to their designs and yeah. alter designs based on the results they're getting. Right. Right. And there's so much they have so much a, troubleshooting involved and it's amazing to yeah, watch that process. They have a great connection with their consumers mm-hmm. and they have made dozens and dozens uh, that, I mean as far as options go they have a, <laughs> they have a plethora of bullet weights in any caliber you would want there's like 23 pages worth of options on their site i yeah. think like it's insane yeah it it's very very and they and they develop it's bullets it's very customized for, for different cartridges twist rates yeah 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 which is and which it, is amazing and, and it's all very clearly stated for each bullet yeah. and yep. each weight this is optimally designed for the 308 Winchester mm-hmm. or 30 out six or 300 Win Mag, yep. and it says right on there what the recommended twist rate is, mm-hmm. minimum twist rate, mm-hmm. um, and then it gives the overall length and it gives the ballistic coefficient. Yeah, uh, that they they are doing a great job. So we are really excited to be working with Hammer. There'll be more information to come as we as we get bullets in the mail here shortly mm-hmm. and start to reload them and shoot them. I'm very excited for that. And then another company <laughs> that I really wanted to target because of those same values in the industry and the reputation and the name that they have and have had since 1945 <laughs> is Weatherby Rifles yes. in Sheridan, Wyoming. This was the big fish. Yeah. <laughs> and for us to be working with Weatherby is, and, and I can say this for all three of us, it is an honor. Absolutely. 100%. We are honored to be able to be mm-hmm. working with them. Um, Adam Weatherby, third generation owner mm-hmm. of Weatherby, still in the family, has revamped the rifle lineup of Mark Fives, offering mm-hmm. now the backcountry. What Weatherby used to be known for was their Monte Carlo stocks and a little bit traditionally heavier style rifle, but offering that blinding speed mm-hmm. of a Weatherby cartridge, no matter if it was a 338, 378, or a um, a six five three hundred, right? Or uh, the two uh, the the two fifty seven Weatherby. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean the old time velocities favorite. approaching what thirty eight hundred feet per second <laughs> with an eighty five grain bullet. Yeah, on which one? The two fifty seven. I don't remember it. It's way up there. Yeah, it's it's, but anyway, yeah. in true Weatherby fashion. Yes. So <laughs> Weatherby has a great name up here in Alaska, mm-hmm. and we're excited to be able to recommend those to our listeners. Right. Yeah. And uh, so this year, all of us will be shooting Weatherby rifles as well. Yeah. So we couldn't we couldn't be yeah. any happier to be partnering with these companies now. Yukon River, Batum 907, Stealthy Hunter with Ryan Lambers, mm-hmm. uh, Weatherby, Hammer Bullets, and we have more to come yet. Right. That uh, that we can't announce just yet. Yeah. We're still working on some things, but you know, uh, we what? have a lot of exciting things coming. And it's important for us to be in the right crowd in the industry mm-hmm. and yeah. work with brands that have integrity 
and that have a good standing in the industry. And, uh, you know, they're just good people, if I can just say it that way. They're just good folks trying to do the right thing. They, um, and, and all of them are heavily concentrated around USA yeah. and uh, keeping production in the States. All yeah. the Mark Vs are made right there in Sheridan, Wyoming. Yep. And uh, so America. we could not be any happier to be working with yeah. Weatherby. So, again, we'll have more details as we yeah. get some rifles and, uh, and then hand loads for hammer bullets. And then, incidentally... Weatherby has, I believe, like <laughs> 15 different loadings in their factory ammo, possibly. It's not quite 15. I think there's nine right now. Okay. Yeah. Well, but they're working on it. I, yeah, know, I know that they're, I, they're working I, on yeah, getting more cranked yeah. out. So They have quite a few hammer bullets loaded yeah. into their factory ammunition, yeah. so that'll be a great plus as well. I want to say they've got, of the common ones, it's the 6.5 RPM. They've got the 6.5 um, uh, hundred. sorry. Yes. The... 338, 378, 300 Weatherby Mag. Yeah. All the, there's several other ones that are loaded with hammer bullets right mm -hmm. now, but certain ones are still lagging behind a little bit. I think they're just working on load development oh, yeah. at the moment. Yeah. So. Right. And the guys at Weatherby, I, I, I know for a fact that the guy in the, uh, in the ballistics department mm -hmm. has a particular liking for hammer bullets. He said they yeah. just shoot phenomenally well. <laughs> I was talking it's to him just, the other day. It's yeah. just easy, easy, easy to get them to shoot well. Mm -hmm. So Well, and real quickly, two things... I really like about Weatherby and, mm -hmm. and that make me really excited for this, this partnership is they have mastered the art of providing every version of a hunting rifle that you can mm. possibly want for every version of Hunter. Yeah. The thing with them is they have their high-end Mark 5s mm -hmm. that are sitting around the $4,000 mark. Yeah. But in the Mark 5 lineup, you can also get the Hunter or the weather mm -hmm. mark that are sub $2,000. Oh, yeah. They're kicking I mean, around $1,400. Yeah, $1,400 on the shelf. brings you down into like yeah. the Christensen range. Yeah. So if you can afford a Christensen, you can afford a Mark V. Yeah. You just might not be able to get the carbon AccuMark Pro kind of yeah. thing. Then, then they also have the Vanguard lineup. Mm -hmm. Now, the Vanguard lineup is a different action. It's a different rifle right. altogether. Right. But those you can get down in the Tika and Bergara price range. Yeah. So if you can afford to spend you know, only a thousand dollars on your yeah. rifle, you can get into a Weatherby Vanguard and it still holds that Weatherby name. Yes. And if you can afford to go three or four hundred dollars higher than that, yeah, you can actually get into the Mark V realm. Yeah. And they have they've just created such a variety mm. of not only rifles, but also cartridges. Yeah. That and they're coming out with more. You know, they keep yeah. developing yeah. more like the the yeah. three thirty eight RPM and, and the six five RPM and yeah. And everything, some of their newer ones on the block, and yeah. and they're really catering to yeah. to different styles of hunter. They're not just the big heavy Woodstock right. Deluxe Mark Fives right. anymore. Which there's nothing wrong with that, and I think all three of us have a soft spot deep oh, down absolutely. in our hearts for a classic walnut stock blue right. gun. Oh, yeah. It just looks nice, but we like to beat our stuff up, yeah. up here in Alaska. <laughs> and uh, I, I actually right now I I have a 338 RPM in mm -hmm. the backcountry line. Um, it should be on the way yep. that I'm really excited to shoot this year. And I've got some hammer bullets coming for it that I'm going to reload, a, get a hand load worked up for it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I couldn't be any more excited to get that rifle in the field. Yeah. That 338 RPM with an 18-inch barrel with a break, um, without a scope and without ammo, and it only weighs 5.4 pounds. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a 338 caliber rifle in a short, compact, guide rifle-style rifle, rifle mm -hmm. that's lightweight, 
finally a lightweight <laughs> guide rifle that has plenty of poop to put yeah. down a grizzly bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm really excited about that. And the uh, the last thing I like about, or not the last thing I like, I shouldn't say that, but all, yeah. but the second thing I was going to mention is uh, Roy Weatherby was a Kansas boy. Ah, so yeah, that's I, right. I, I that, forgot about that. I, I have that 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 little little home state pride there. And, yeah, you know, being a gun nut from Kansas myself. So. Yeah, but uh, so. What do you think, Mom? Well, I was going to say was, uh, I know James and I specifically and Dalton, you were at times too. I, perp- I was going to buy a Weatherby rifle this summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, it yeah. wasn't, it's, yeah. it's not just because we're partnering with them yeah. suddenly. Right. We're Weatherby if, people. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, all three of us were going to purchase one here yeah. this mm-hmm. spring yeah. Yeah. and start shooting it this year exclusively anyway. Yeah. yeah. So this just happens to work it, out. It just, yeah. Right. And I just wanted to say, say that like in the same, like, like James said for hammer, you know, and, yeah. and with, uh, yeah. With a lot of these companies we're working with, it's not just that, uh, you know, with, with the case of uh, Beto 907, mm-hmm. we've used their products for, yeah. for mm-hmm. years. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, but with uh, with uh, Hammer and with Weatherby, it's not that we're just talking about them now because right. we're partnering with them and we've got great deals and all this kind of stuff. Right. But it's because we wanted them and, and we wanted to partner with them specifically because of the great products and the great companies that they are. Yeah. And that's one thing I like about it all of the partnerships we've gotten so far is they they all, like Dalton says, align with our values, align with, you know, the, 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 just the direction we're heading. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's really, it's really an awesome, an awesome ride. At the end of the day, we're very happy with it. At the end of the day, everybody that we're going to be working with, no matter who it is, Mm -hmm. we will not work with a company that doesn't make products that are great for Alaska hunting. Mm -hmm. Right. That's our focus here. And that's what we're going to continue to focus on. And and a lot of that's just the trust itself too. Yeah. Um, You know, we don't, we don't want to, just like with the articles we talked about, not trying to be clickbaity and and all that. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's it's just the direction we're going. So we're trying to be a very, if we don't trust it, we won't talk about it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and you can, you can hold us to that as long as we're around. So, yeah. But, so I think we've talked about, about that enough. And I think we've, we've, pretty much hammered all right folks i want to take a second to tell you about a product i found this last year and have absolutely fallen in love with it's the stealthy hunter rifle cover i used one on a recent blacktail deer hunt in southeast alaska and it did a great job of keeping the salt water and debris out of the action and also protecting the scope on my rifle from getting knocked around and damaged On top of all that, the carry handle made it easy to transport the rifle to and from the boat during the hunt. When it got wet from rain and ocean spray, I hung it up at camp to dry at night and it was always dry in 20 minutes or less. Stealthy Hunter also offers a wide variety of nutritional supplements for the outdoorsman such as CBD oils, essential vitamins, turmeric, and bone broth. In the gear shop, they also have a lightweight first aid kit, glassing pads, and stuff sacks to organize your gear and your pack. Go check out Stealthy Hunter's website and use the code THENORTHERNHUNTER at checkout to get a discount on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA. That out. Mr. Chris. Yes, sir. (laughs) Time to step up to the microphone, sir. How you doing? No pressure, huh? Yeah. (laughs) None at all, man. None at all. So. So you're a predator hunting machine. Uh, yep. that's a, that's a, a broad title there. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> yeah, I like it. Let's get in on that mic. Oh, absolutely. Nice. Keep, yeah. Keep, yeah. Do you yeah. hear that? Yeah. There you go. You Keep can it. hear yourself nice and close. That's good. Yep. 
So Perfect. go ahead. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, where you came from, how you got to Alaska, all uh, that. Well, I'm originally from Big Bear Lake, California. Okay. Uh, up in the San Bernardino Mountains. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. so I'm, uh, I don't really have any hunting background, but uh, I, I fished growing up. Okay. And camped out and it's, it's pretty high altitude, a lot of snow and mm-hmm. a little more snow than here. Not as cold. But, oh, wow. Yeah. But, you know, so that's kind of yeah. the fishing thing's always been my thing and yeah, never really, never really had any exposure to hunting or didn't grow up around firearms or anything like that. But, right. But, uh, how, uh, how close is that to, uh, Santa Cruz? Santa Cruz. I should know this. Um, I'm going to say, <laughs> good thing there's lots of traffic. I'm going to go with uh, maybe two hours and 15 minutes. Okay. I don't know. Uh, only, only reason I ask is my. Why don't, here, let me pull the old uh, anti <laughs> nonsense device out here. We don't got to get that that technical with it. I was just going to say because my wife went to college in Santa Cruz. And, oh, cool. And so oh. she keeps telling me about uh, the northern part of California and how it's. You know, mountains and beautiful and gorgeous yeah, really and everything. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's not like the the desert in the south and everything. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot of different terrain in a mm-hmm. in a short distance. You yeah. can yeah. you know you can snow ski, uh, yeah. you know, go to the beach, go to the desert. You know, yeah. all in the same day. It's yeah. <laughs> everything's in pretty close proximity. Lots of different ecos- ecosystems down yeah, there. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. So what what brought you up here? Um, just adventure. Really, right. I had a neighbor that lived. Uh, in 08, I had a neighbor that lived next to me that uh, that was from here, and I started picking his brain a little bit and watching some Alaska shows, you know. And nice. so yeah. I'm like, all right, I want to go. I want to go do something a little bigger. And yeah, I, yeah. I definitely found it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure, man. That's for so you sure. moved up to Alaska in what year? Uh, July of 08. Okay, okay, 2008. Yeah, perfect. And so, at what point did you get into hunting up here? Was it pretty much right away or was uh, no, it a couple year process? No, it was, it was a little later on. Um, I kind of, I came up and I thought I was going to do a lot of my, my normal fishing theme, but mm-hmm. fishing's a lot different here and mm-hmm. down there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, rod and reel, a lot of largemouth fishing, yeah, um, right. cat fishing. Yeah. And so there's, you know, you don't really have that here. Um, so I learned pretty quick. Uh, I actually, I had some neighbors that trapped and, uh, once I, once I realized the fishing wasn't the same gig that I was used to, um, these guys are like, well, Hey, have you ever trapped? And I'm like, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't have any interest in that. And, <laughs> and, uh, so I tried to do the ice fishing thing a little bit, you know, and ran with that and that, that can be pretty intimidating and, no. and tough. That <laughs> yeah. takes a while to kind of get into. And yeah, I managed to get into that a little later, but you know, and then spring rolled around and those guys, they, uh, you know, they're, well, you going bear baiting and I, oh no, I don't bear bait, you know, and they're just looking at me like, man, this guy really is from California. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh uh, boy. <laughs> but you acclimated, right? <laughs> well, so once, once I realized I wasn't, uh, you know, I was going to have a long winters and stuff. I kind of started digging around a little more and yeah. taking these guys up on their offers and stuff and right. going out and, and, you know learning so yeah that's the best way it was yeah. definitely quite the adjustment from what i what i came from yeah so, but so so what did you start out hunting once you got into it up here um i had a couple buddies take me out caribou hunting you know and i did mm-hmm. some spot and stock bear stuff nice okay. um and yeah i mean that's pretty much about the extent of that mm. early on yeah what would you uh at what point did you like start 
heading out on your own? I mean, that really kind of caught the bug, I guess. Uh, I think kind of like we all do. I, yeah. I didn't really have a guide. Um, so right? I, so <laughs> I kind of went out on my own and uh, a lot of failed attempts, mm-hmm. you know, and tried mm-hmm. to tried to tag along a lot and pick up off, you know, yeah. pick other guys' brains on, on how it's done. And so it's I, the best way to learn. Yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so uh, where are we going here? <laughs> <laughs> just getting into hunting and yeah. just, just how you started. Yeah, yeah. and I kind of just started tagging along, with, you know, on moose trips and stuff yeah. like that. And of course, when you're the when you're the uh, guest, you don't get to shoot the first time, right? You know, yeah, you know. right. Or the <laughs> second, <laughs> yeah. and, and, or the yes. <laughs> and, and you're the pack boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of work. Yeah. So, so did yeah. you get to take part in some other folks getting some animals and get to be a part of that processing um, side of things and and just kind of get your Kind of get your boots bloody that way. Yeah, or? I did. I did. I got. I got mm-hmm. to go on a lot of hunts and. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got invited a lot, and I I've, once I realized that it was a little different here, I started taking all those opportunities and you yeah. know, capitalizing on it. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. well, I gotta say that there's definitely a time that you figured it out because I, I think. So you and I were actually talking about this earlier. I think I, I think we've known each other what three years now, something like that. Two yeah, two or three years. I, I want to say maybe even there. a little more, maybe yeah. a three and a half year mark. But uh, yeah. but and, and I know that that we've talked extensively about different different hunting trips and everything like that. And and you have mm-hmm. a you have a knack for finding things that, that I've noticed. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, and, and that's one thing I, I love. I, I, honestly, I like picking your brain too because because you. I know you, you talk about caribou hunting a lot and everything like that. Yeah, and, we love caribou and, hunting. Yeah. yeah. What, what would you say if you had to, like, what's your, aside from, from predator, like, what's your favorite hunt you'd say you've done up here? I'd have to say black bear hunting. Black bear, yeah. yeah, it, yeah. There's a lot of crossover between predator hunting and black bear hunting, yeah, in my just opinion. Big, big predators. Yeah, it's, you know, <laughs> a fox won't eat you, but a bear might, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Need a slightly bigger gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you say black bear hunting, is that spot and stalk or over a bait? Um, I like to do a little spot and stalk before green out, you know? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And also what I'll usually do, because baiting's not very productive early on. So right. you got that mm-hmm. slow yeah. phase, that yep. startup. So yep. what I'll do is I'll get, you know, my baits established for the season and then I'll, I'll go do, t- you know, some spot and stalk to take the time up. And, mm-hmm. and so, uh, so, um, Give me a 50,000 foot view of what that looks like. So you pick a spot where the snow is starting to melt. You got some south facing slopes. You go in there and tent camp for a few days, or are you just riding in places and just kind of looking for activity? Or how does a hunt like that get formed in your process? I actually, I've, I've, lucked out in uh finding bears where i they they wouldn't seem to be um, really? <laughs> yeah and so brushy areas or above brush line or what um brushy areas above, above brush line you mm-hmm. know small clearings yeah. um and i know like i know a lot of guys like to hunt that really dense stuff set up on that right. super dense mm-hmm. stuff and yeah um that was another thing i kind of learned on my own i didn't really have a lot of guidance in fact i picked your brain at one point mm-hmm. dalton on a yeah. job we were on and that's kind of what i do i i've kind of just kind of <laughs> i'm always you know writing notes and and trying to learn but yeah yeah um yeah so usually i'll i'll shoe in to claim my spot i'll snowshoe in mm-hmm. and then i might you know i might haul a little bit in by pack i have a four-wheeler but i've never set a bait with a four-wheeler i've always really? walked in yeah, yeah i just because i feel like you kind of 
you kind of set the stage for uh, competition. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's huh? very true. I, I do the same thing. Don't, do yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. Yeah, I do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of my stuff is walk-in. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll pack everything in or I'll, I'll try yep. to summons a, a buddy that doesn't know any better to kind of help me. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that was, uh, <laughs> come see how fun this is. <laughs> oh, yeah, it doesn't and take long your, before you're up there alone, you know. <laughs> all of your packing buddies are like 6'5 and 225 and just big muscular fellas. And then about halfway in with a 100-pound pack, they're crying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean they do pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> Not yeah. that I have any personal experience with that. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, we we all love bear baiting here as well. Yeah. yeah that's, that's, I'm I am on the edge of my seat for that to kick off. Man. I, I yeah. love hiking bait in and yeah. And I always it's a good chance to scout other stuff for yep. potential calling. You mm-hmm. know, in the winter, and it's it's just a good way to get out. It's yeah. yeah. You know. So then let's talk about predator calling first, and we'll circle back around to bear baiting here in a little bit. Sure. Um, I, I think that's first on our list here. So w- what got you into predator calling up here? And just for folks, talk about what predator calling is, what animals that includes, and and uh, just talk about how you got into that. Um, I think think that, you know, I, I kind of started trying, you know, I gave a go at trapping, and I didn't really it just wasn't interactive enough and that's nothing mm-hmm. on any, I got tons of buddies that trap and sure. I think it's cool and it's hard work. And I think in some cases it's just harder work than predator calling, but yeah. um, <laughs> it's a lot of time. I just yeah. think uh, calling's a lot more interactive Yeah, and I'm kind of, I'm into exploring and mm-hmm. that's, I love that element of it. And I like the difficulty of it. I like that the success rates aren't all that great. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's very rewarding. Um, it gives you a chance to kind of key in on animal behavior, mm. um, and study different things a little right. bit. And that's actually a lot of how I learned to track and different things is mm-hmm. call something in, shoot it, go and look, look at where it came from, what it did. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, I've spent more time doing that walking back in where something came into a call and, you know, kind of, kind of saw where it milled around or, maybe it got a case of the ADD and I wasn't yeah. doing something right and kind of, right. you know, but yeah. What, what was your, what was your first predator hunt? Do you, do you, <laughs> my, I mean, I'm sure it's <laughs> a huge, huge memory bank. Too, I, I actually <laughs> remember it. So I, I like, I, I remember when I got really geared up, I'm like, okay, I'm going to start, I'm going to start doing this. And I was, I was pretty busy with work mm-hmm. and, uh, I go, okay, you know, I don't know what day it was, but I picked a day and I, I go, okay, I got the day off and, so, uh, that was the only day I had off and I, I wake up and it's 47 below and, uh, oh my, it's <laughs> a, a little bit chilly and I hadn't really learned to dress yet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I had these big, uh, I, a buddy of mine gave me these big blue, uh, Carhartt coveralls. They mm-hmm. were insulated. And I think I had like a mossy oak beanie on, you know, yeah. <laughs> just everything you don't really do. I mean, but, yeah. and so I, uh. I went out and sat a couple spots that I had looked at and I ended up calling a, a lynx in first go nice. and uh, I'm like, Oh, this is easy. And I, and I went up to another spot and called a fox in <laughs> and I'm like, Oh man, it's going to be like this all the time. You know, yeah. like I, I can get into this and that's, yeah, it's, that was, <laughs> that was that about where it stopped. <laughs> there, there was a definitely a, a, definitely a lull there for a while after that. <laughs> I mean, forty-seven below. That's that's dedication, yeah. right there. 
Well, and it's so different when you're sitting too. Yeah. Like when, when you're out snowshoeing around and stuff yeah. like that, and you're kind of building the body heat. But when you're sitting for a 45 minute, 30, 30 minute set, you know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. it gets cold quick. Yeah. So then what animals do you generally target? When we say predators, tell folks what animals those are. Um, a- anything that's, anything that's dumb enough to come to me blowing a, a predator call, you know, <laughs> if it, you know, I mean, what I like about Alaska is, is there's so many species that, mm-hmm. I mean, you really never know you have your expectations, but you really never know what's mm-hmm. going to show up on stand. Right. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's awesome. That's yeah. part of the, you know, what's so intriguing about it and, yeah. and exciting. Yeah. And so Alaska has foxes. And we have coyotes, lynx, and we got lynx, lynx wolves, wolves, wolverine. Yeah, wolverines. Yeah. Have you ever called in a wolverine? I I have not, okay. but I've talked to some. I've talked to some guys that that have <laughs> guided me along the way that that ha- that claim to have. So right, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think they can be pretty receptive to to call. I would that, imagine so. Yeah, they that, might just romp right in there like nothing's go, nothing's in their that, way. Yeah, it you ever called scary, in an ermine? Uh, no. <laughs> well, he may not know. They're white, so. Yeah, right. <laughs> just yeah. Pop, pops his head in, disappears. Yeah. What about a Martin? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I actually had a, I had a situation last winter. Um, I sat down on a, uh, a pond and, and I started calling and it wasn't really, the, the weather wasn't optimal. It really wasn't, it wasn't a, a very good day in my opinion. And, uh, I see, I got the call set out about 200 yards and so. I start calling away and I see this little red thing running around and I go, Oh, the red squirrels. He's interested that that'll work, you know? And I, so I sit there and he takes off in the woods and I see him again, kind of milling around and he comes back out and I, I start getting a better eye on it. And I'm like, man, that's a really big red squirrel there. <laughs> <laughs> and so it ended up being a Martin and I, I have the 17 WSM, you know, and I'm like, I don't know, man. And I, I got a I got a front on shot with a rear exit and uh, oh, wow okay yeah so we're having we're and it wasn't a real big Martin mm-hmm. or, you know and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't super prime but but it it's getting mounted so because yeah. <laughs> of the situation yeah. you know no, I don't, I don't so know many guys that have called in Martin so yeah I was, I'd actually never heard of that before yeah so. it was a for me and I, I mean yeah. it's yeah. Yeah, I I've talked to guys. I I've I've heard of it. Um, yeah, but that was yeah. a first for me. And yeah, that's pretty. So cool. yeah, I took him to my taxidermist, and I said, "Hey, man, can you mount this thing up?" And he's like, "Well, you know, you kind of blew the back end out." You know? <laughs> and I said, "Can you put him in a sitting position or something?" He goes, yeah, "Well, why do you want this thing?" You know? And I said, "Well, I called it in, and he's get out of here, man." It's yeah. <laughs> I, I know so, that's pretty special, right there. So did did you like know you were addicted to this like? like immediately or did it like take some trial and error and uh, i think i knew i was i was hooked pretty early on yeah. i think the first time i went out yeah it, i was definitely hooked and when you right. have like a first day like that and that's definitely not how it went that wasn't the standard right you know? i mean it, there was a lot of trial and error so hmm. well and the one thing I, I like about talking to you throughout the winters and everything like that is you're always you're always going after something it's oh man i'm, I'm heading over this way oh man I'm going over yeah. this way so so how did your uh, how'd your year go o- overall? Like, give us a kind of a recap of like twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three, because uh, this one's this episode's airing what end of March, 
uh, April. Early April. Yeah. I think yeah. it's yeah. airing in April. Yeah. So seasons are pretty much closed at this point. That's kind of, we're doing like a, like yeah. an end, end of predator season kind of thing still, here. Coyotes are still, coyotes are still open. Right. Are still open. Everything's right. else, you know, everything else is pretty much closed. Um, yeah. Fox links. And everything. then once you start getting that freeze thought, that's kind of, you get about a week window and then you really start, you know, you start looking at, they're about to, to blow coat. So mm-hmm. right. you can get, you can still pick up some nice coyotes and wolves this time of year, but yeah. Um, it starts getting pretty dicey once right. you start getting this good weather like this. So yeah, 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 for sure. So did you do pretty good, pretty good earlier in this winter? Um, I didn't call as much as I wanted to, mm-hmm. but I did pretty good considering. I mean, I was I was pretty satisfied. I mean, yeah. So give us some rough numbers. <laughs> uh, well, we got a couple cats. Um, there's a few of us that go out, so I mean, we we did pretty good on the cats. We mm-hmm. found some some pockets, and then early season, we'll try to target coyotes before the snow's too deep, and they're mm. they're having a hard time getting around. Yeah, and they kind yeah. of start hanging towards the the you know the bottoms and the the river bottoms and stuff or wind blowing stuff. So right. Um. Yeah. How about yeah. fox? Did you get a lot of fox this year? Yeah, it was a good fox year. I kind of I I found some fox and. I kind of sent a buddy of mine that's new to predator calling. I kind of helped him out a little bit. Okay. And yeah. I, I'd be like, Hey man, there's, I saw a Fox over here. I saw a pair over here once they started pairing up, you know? Yeah. So, but there was definitely a lot of Fox this year. And yeah. what time of year do you see those Fox start pairing up together? It's weird. Um, from my experience, it's usually mid January. And okay. I know that that's, there's a lot of schools of thought on that, but mm-hmm. I saw them paired up around december 1st this year which and really? i don't know if that's a weather thing mm. you know i don't okay. know what right what kind of gets them going like that but uh we did yeah. have earlier cold this winter yeah yeah, yeah we was, did we had some earlier cold setting in like november and mm-hmm. then it and then right. it leveled get, out be, and got pretty nice for the rest of it honestly right it's, didn't, been, it's been a weird we one. didn't really have any extended like 20 30 below for weeks and weeks on end this winter at yeah. all honestly it's the warmest winter i've experienced since yeah. i've been here this has been yeah. a really really mild year yeah, and, and we haven't gotten but what 100 inches of snow i think total yeah i mean and, especially compared to last year we and didn't that was really out any. at ski land so that's probably more than town yep but uh, yeah and you know even when it did drop down into those super negative temps it yeah. was just for, just yeah just, just for four, a couple days. four days here yeah. maybe right right i think we had one solid week where it was negative 40 and that was it i think that was the week before christmas it was yeah, yeah. It was right as, yeah. yeah right as we got i actually had some cold day cutoffs at work because of that just we didn't want to be driving the work van around and risk breaking mm-hmm. something sure or, you know it gets dangerous like that but yeah anyway so then Good. walk us through um kind of your setup do you use a mouth call how long do you sit for uh are you calling non-stop i know that's a lot of questions but just, <laughs> just so so i guess here's the first one how long do you sit and call for at at any given stand so if i can tolerate it i mean i'll sit an hour um if mm-hmm. i'm going after cats um okay uh i i think the longer you're willing to sit the better Mm. I mean, and you, if you kind of reference that to like a house cat, they're, they're very distracted. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, and, and if you've ever been able to watch one coming to call at a distance, yeah. you, yeah. you, you pick up on that. It's right. a lot of, you know, I switch through sounds a lot. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And you use an electronic call. Electronic call primarily with cats yeah. um, because it, it just takes that focus off you. Do you use a Fox Pro? Um, I do. Do you use yeah. the 24C? um no no that's a good one though yeah that's, that's what, a good that's one. the one i have 
Yeah, that's yeah. a you can't go wrong there. Yeah, that's I think nice... I have the um, it might be the C2S. It's okay. the model right under that. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. What, what, did the you clarity see? on that one's really good. That you got. That's yeah. like I think that's twenty four bit sounds. Yeah. So that's mm -hmm. a very very good sound. And that's color. another thing that's debatable with guys is yeah. if sound clarity matters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. yeah. Did, yeah. did you start off with electronic calls or did you start off mouth calling? I started off of with both. I okay. Start, you know, but the electronic call, that's, I think the numbers, you don't have the numbers like you have down south. And mm, I, right, I, right. I, try, I really kind of got the, the mindset, oh, I'm going to call everything in with a hand call. And that's just yeah. not practical right. when you're starting out. So, I mean, yeah. So when an animal comes into a call for the folks that aren't familiar with predator calling, you're calling them in with sound, obviously. And when they get out into an opening, if you're calling like over a frozen pond or like on a river, they're coming to that sound. Mm -hmm. sure. And there is inherent motion that goes into mouth calling. Yes, You have is. one hand up to your mouth and you're oftentimes moving that hand yeah. and trying to manipulate that caller and make it sound as realistic as possible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... Most of the time, you're pretty much out of breath when you're wailing away on that mouth call. Yeah. yeah. But if they come out, and especially a lynx, if it gets a pin on you and sees you moving, you might not even see that cat. Mm -hmm. You yeah. might just sit in the willows and just post up and not even come in. Yeah, and that's a big one, too. They'll, they'll observe from afar. I yeah. think a lot yeah. of people think they just roll in, and yeah. they don't. I mean, you, yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've got up mm -hmm. to, yeah. to call it, and... That's another big one is when you get up, don't yeah. just leave and no. don't start chattering. <laughs> right. You know, because I, I can't tell you how many times I've got up and looked across a looked across a pond or out in yeah. a clearing, even walking back to the truck if I'm calling, mm -hmm. you know, leaving the leaving the truck from the road, coming yeah. back up. I've had cats sitting on the other side of the road. Oh boy. That yeah. stalled up between me calling and coming mm -hmm. back to, to right. leave. So yeah. I mean it's there's a there's yeah. a lot of things to look for. <laughs> yeah. And that movement, I agree with that big time. That's, yeah. I mean, that'll bust you. And so then well, getting that caller out there away from you, I know you mentioned that you, that uh, um, at some points you'll put a caller out a hundred or more yards in front of you mm. to get that sound away from you so that, so that when they come in, they're not coming right at you so that you have a little bit of, of uh, forgiveness to move and get your rifle into shooting mm -hmm. position. Right. Yep. Just something. And, and then how often do you use a decoy too? Um, so I've kind of grown out of the decoy a little bit. Really? I okay. like yeah. to use that decoy for, for cats. Cause it yeah. kind of, it's just that little yeah. extra can kind of coax them out yeah. of that brush. Yeah. Just yeah. Yeah. Perk their interest with yeah. canines. Now what I'm kind of getting into, I had an old timer kind of school me up a little bit. And <laughs> what I'm kind of doing now is I'm stashing that e-collar and making them look for it a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And, and I feel like, and this is just kind of my thought, and I, I know some guys might disagree with this, but uh, I feel like canines are kind of more apt to look from afar mm -hmm. and ID and go, nah, this ain't right. I'm mm -hmm. out of here. You know, this, there's something about this that's, you know, right. and you never get a chance. So one thing I like to do when I'm when I'm trying for canines is I like to stash that call and make them look for it a little more. Yeah, it kind of makes it seem a little bit more natural. Like, yeah, like, and and I used to throw the call out in the open, mm -hmm. and I try not to do that. You know, if there's something I can stash it in, I mean, because they're they're slick. Are you talking just like some brush or something like yeah, that? Anything or, yeah, anything you can. Yeah. yeah, which realistically, I mean, a wounded animal—that's what they would run to. 
something yeah. like that. Yeah. They're not going to be sitting out in the middle of a wide open yeah, field. Yeah, they're not so. going to lay out where they're vulnerable. And right. You got more to worry about yeah. than just, you know, uh, four-legged critters. You got, mm-hmm. you know, birds and hawks yeah. and owls. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I guess we, did, we hadn't mentioned, but the sounds we're talking about calling predators in with, oh, yeah, if, yeah, yeah. if you're from yeah. a, a part of the country that that's right. not a thing, or, and maybe you haven't looked into that, are animal distress calls. Yeah. So right, what, right. what you have is either a mouth call or an electronic call where they've programmed in these sounds of rabbits and all kinds of different small critters. And, yeah. and sometimes even the bigger ones. I know my Fox Pro has like the moose calf in distress and deer in distress and things like that. But for predators, like if you're trying to call in coyotes and fox and lynx and things like that, typically you're going to be sticking with the smaller animals. And so it's just a very high pitch distress sound it's the sound that an, an animal would make if it was wounded or or caught or by another predator caught yeah. by another predator yeah, yeah. and so that perks these predators interest and and kind of gets them to come in yeah and kind of to circle back to the tactic thing a little bit so i've heard two main theories that uh, that most people argue about would, when they're talking about this and one is that they want the call right on them mm-hmm. if they're using an electronic call to bring that way the animals expose themselves kind of centered to you and Mm -hmm. it it makes them easier to 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 see and to see their movement but as you guys pointed out that also puts the focus on you yeah and the other option is like you had said to put it put it several yards out in front of you several hundred yards even sometimes i think some i think you know I think 50 is a sweet spot 150 to 100 is a sweet spot that's Um, about where i put it yeah the only so if i'm in tight cover Mm -hmm. i'll do that i'll put that call right up on me you know Mm -hmm. maybe 10 yards off my feet if i especially i'm going for cats and i don't have a lot of open space yeah because i mean that's all you're gonna get you know right and and sometimes you can't pick you can't really pick your spots so you you just got to do it if you cut a fresh track or something and Mm -hmm. you want to go for it it's not always going to be in an ideal setting so yeah you got to work with what you got but right so it's kind of just a situational thing for you yeah yeah. as far as where you and the other thing is is there's something else when you're working with big open country this is another thing i've kind of gotten away from is walking that call right out there in front of everybody yeah and so you're doing a couple things and i mean this is just my theory you're spreading scent if you're going after canines right which doesn't always matter i mean sometimes they'll throw caution to the wind i've lucked out learning and i mean Mm -hmm. you know it nailed them anyway but i like to avoid making a big scene when i go into certain spots that Mm -hmm. are open and yeah i mean a lot of the time they'll be just bedded up out of the way where they still have a good ocular advantage you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i don't like to you know i don't like to set that call way out there and walk out disperse a bunch of scent yeah Mm -hmm. But anyway, when when you started early on with electronic caller, did you ever use anything for a speaker besides a Fox Pro or a dedicated electric caller? I I, I no, I'm not old school enough. For yeah. that. <laughs> well, I, 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 I yeah. <laughs> go go I, ahead. I know a lot of go guys ahead and talk about that. Though, okay, so go ahead and tell that story. I, I have a. I haven't personally killed anything predator calling. I haven't spent a lot of time doing it, but I've been on a several kills just because the animal ran into his line of sight and not mine, um, (laughs) depending on the situation. But uh, one of those was, and this is what, and Dalton and I have even done this when we were teenagers, I had a DeWalt speaker. (laughs) <laughs> great sound clarity yeah. i think I, I think i heard about this on one of your previous episodes. i may have mentioned yeah. it but yeah no it it uh it, it's plenty loud bluetooth mm-hmm. you can get oh, a, yeah. get get some of those sounds on your phone and uh as long as you don't have a phone that dies and a good battery 
It works great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of guys, you, you know, use a lot of different things. So yeah. mm-hmm. I don't think there's a, I don't think there's a right or a wrong. I think that's another fun thing about it is it's, you can, you can kind of, you know, you, you can do your own thing and it's mm-hmm. put your own spin yeah. on it and you're not right. doing it wrong. You right. ain't gonna lose. There's even guys in the Midwest that I, I, I mean, as I was a teenager, I, as, when we came back to the States, I was really trying to get into predator calling a lot. And so I was mm. watching a lot of these, uh, What's his name? Randy. Oh, uh, Randy Anderson. Randy Anderson. Yeah. 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 Calling all coyotes. Old legend. And yeah. that guy puts up fur. <laughs> I mean, at, at, like it's the 1600s. I you mean. almost wonder <laughs> if they got like these things corralled somewhere yeah, or something. I know. <laughs> he kills. High fence predator hunting. <laughs> he kills. You like the old bass so fishing videos? Yeah. 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 Right. yeah. yeah. Got yeah. them all netted up. Yep. Yep. But uh, I, I mean, I, I remember watching some of these old DVDs and whatnot, just trying to educate myself for for how to do it but a lot of it was the midwest and it mm. uh, a lot of that is surprisingly different tactics than up here yes. and you touched on this earlier but the density of mm. predators compared to like the open prairie of the midwest where you might call in a half dozen coyotes at one set mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. one pair comes in you shoot them both and, and this is one of Randy's videos he shot two and then he kept the collar going, changed it to coyote distress after he yep. made the gunshot noise. Two more coyotes came in right in the same spot right behind him, killed them both. And then he kept it rolling and two more came in. He shot six at one It's set. like you could sit there all day with a lunch bail. Yeah. Oh, and you could. Yeah. <laughs> and you could just shoot 20 of them in a day. Yeah. And, but, and I can tell you from growing up in farm country in Kansas, oh, I mean, yeah. there, there's yeah. no shortage of it them. Seems it seems like it's just an endless number of coyotes. It's yeah. every day you're rolling down the road and if you're yeah. looking, you'll see them. They're, they're just always that's there. how it is but and, back and, home and, and i mean people, they're just everywhere i think a lot of people and this really applies for any uh game animal in alaska there's uh, alaska is what two and a half times the size of texas something crazy oh, like that something like that they're yeah. always kind of seem to be reestablishing it, 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 it. if you split alaska in half texas would be the third largest state that's right right, <laughs> right. so alaska is so big it's so unsettled relatively speaking for the land size that we have and people think that there's just an animal behind every tree. Yeah, they sure do. And the density is not that at all. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, I mean, if you fly up into the Brooks Range, sure, the caribou migrate through there, and they'll be there for a couple weeks out of the year on their way through. And one day you might see 2,000 caribou in a day, but then for the rest of the year, it's just transient animals that just move through that area and there's right. really nothing that ever stays right. there that's mm-hmm. it kind of seems to be alaska overall yeah fishing yeah hunting yeah. you know yeah it's, everything yeah. moves and it's all centered around the weather yeah and so i mean the, the density of predator calling in alaska and, and like you mentioned it's overall it's a pretty low success rate it, it really um, is I, I only made it out twice this year mariah and i went for a drive and, and uh, for a couple of days and made a bunch of sets and didn't call anything in. We had pretty good conditions. Um, I have been um, taught from, uh, I, I have some folks that I'm, that I'm pretty tight to that, uh, that have had a lot of success predator calling. Mm-hmm. And the advice that I've gotten from them is a little bit shorter sets, like that 15 to 20 minute range. And I've had really mixed success with that. I've been with one of these guys that I'm talking about and killed a couple of things with that individual on 
20 minute sets mm. um calling out cats with a decoy yeah um but i i have been wondering even this year after mo and i went out that right. one time I, I i got back from that trip and i was texting that fella and i said man i, I wonder if i shouldn't start making longer sets like yeah. it doesn't seem like in this much expanse of terrain and with as loud as that caller is if there's something listening to this a mile away and he takes his time, it might take him a half hour just to get there. Yeah, that's mm, a great you know? point. So I, that, that's something that I'm going to be reevaluating. And, and with, with all of our developments and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we mentioned getting rifles in and having yeah. to hand load some hammer bullets, I, my time is pretty much expired for Predator Calling this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I had considered running out here this, this upcoming weekend to make a few sets here just outside of town, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I really don't think I'm going to have time. But yeah, right. something for next year just to think about, and as this season wraps up, it's always good to criticize your own tactics. Mm. And that's how you learn, right? You have to shoot holes in what you're doing in order to figure out how to improve. And so I think for me, the the number one thing that I'm going to do differently is just make longer sets because I pay attention to wind. You know, you you wear the right over whites and you sit with some backdrop. You don't silhouette yourself. You play the wind. You sit, I mean, talk about sitting still. I mean, how many times have you been busted moving versus versus not? Oh, yeah. And that's a huge one. And so talk about how you sit or stand. Do you prefer standing back in the trees a bit with like a tripod setup or do you sit with a backdrop? What I've what I've really gotten into, I've tried all kinds of stabilizing methods for, you know, for the rifle and what yeah. I really like that I'm using now is uh it's a Swagger and it's a QD42. Uh-huh. Mm. And it extends all the way out. I I don't know what the the smallish measurement is, but it okay. it compacts down pretty good. You can throw it in a bag. It okay. doesn't stay connected mm-hmm. to the rifle. Okay, and I it's always sitting. So it's I, a little bipod or a tripod. It's a bipod. Okay, and it's yeah. uh, it, they're awesome. Does they're it have a swivel head on it? It's that turns with the gun or no? Is that the one you were showing me earlier this year that e- e- yes. you can rest on your? Yeah, you, your, yep, yeah, yep. and you can use it in a standing position. They're actually great for like, they're great for all kinds of hunting. I mean, yeah, in my yeah. opinion, I mean, yeah, but, uh, sitting for sure, you're yeah. going to be able to, you're going to be able to stay still. And yeah. I mean, that's my take and, yeah. and lots of guys do it differently. Yeah, I, but yeah. I really like those swaggers because the, the, some of their models are kind of too bulky. I think, I don't think I'd want to go with with those models but yeah there's like that older model that's got that big old configuration yeah, it goes all the way down the stock your, yeah. oh i know yeah. what you're talking about but yeah. the, the one you have is real slick yeah. i like that yeah one. that's yeah. real refined and it's got like a it's got like a qd disconnect so mm-hmm. you can you can take that thing off and throw it in your backpack and it's not on okay. the rifle the talk, whole time talk about the standing the standing method of using that because that's that fascinated me when you were showing me that uh it's <laughs> kind of i don't really know how to describe it um <laughs> <laughs> well I, I can do my best but yeah, how yeah. would you describe that? <laughs> so I so, guess if you were walking into a stand and you had tall brush and you yeah. needed to take a standing shot and you needed to stabilize and you didn't have something like a tree or, you know, yeah. some kind, something to stabilize on, you can actually hook that bipod up and bury that thing, extend it about halfway and bury it about into your waist on oh, your yeah. belt. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, it's incredible how And it comes out at like a 45 degree angle. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that, actually a really dynamite idea. And, and that was and one that, thing, I like that a lot about it. Yeah. yeah that, that was one thing that really caught my eye was it's not like most bipods where they're kind of stuck in their position unless you use the uh-huh. you push the pins in and right. move it into certain slots. It's right. just on it's basically on a spring. Yeah. yeah. And you can Interesting. just you can just 
really quickly adjust however you need to for whatever situation you're in and and it, it goes forwards backwards sideways you i mean your your pan and your i like is, that it articulates back like that too yeah that's actually pretty and I think handy the range on that's like 270 degrees mm-hmm. it, wow. i mean it's really you can you can twist that thing up pretty good that's pretty good yeah. um, and another thing i like about that is you know some of these some of these other ones i've used they get stuck in the snow you know you you get out of the truck mm. you go on a walk they're warm and right. there's a bunch of schools of thought on that too. Leave your gear in the in the back of the truck or mm-hmm. you know outside, whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I like that that swagger. You can pinch that thing together and basically, I don't know yeah. what you'd call that. It's basically turn it into a single leg monopod. Like a, yeah, like yeah. a monopod, and you can pivot more, almost just like a shooting stick. E- right. Yeah. yeah, and right. so and you can pick it up and kind of rearrange yeah. it on the yeah. fly, and it's it doesn't hinge you up too much. That's you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then, when you're sitting at a stand in any given uh, set, per se, you're trying to sit with the rifle in a shooting position to have minimal movement when an animal steps out so that's another thing about that bipod yeah is uh you can kind of shoulder that yeah so when you when you sit down set up get settled in you Mm -hmm. can kind of start looking at your angles Mm -hmm. looking at Mm. kind of evaluating your kill box you know and and see okay this is probably where something's going to come in if it comes in so you set up based off that Mm -hmm. um and then you just kind of shoulder that and yeah. I like that too, because like starting out, I'd lay the rifle across my lap. I'd try to hold it. Your hands get cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, you're always contending with something weather related and mm-hmm. that's, that all mm. translates to sitting still. Yeah. And so, and then once you have that shouldered, it's just a half the motion you need to right. make to take a shot. Mm. So, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. I really I, like that. Yeah. That's how I was taught as well. I mean, I, I I haven't used a bipod a whole lot. The last time I used a bipod, I had a fox run in about ten yards in front of me, coming across mm-hmm. at about Mach seven. <laughs> yep, and I couldn't move it fast enough, and it was stuck in the snowpack. And I just I picked the gun up, and you know, I actually I didn't even get a shot at it. My brother took a couple of shots and missed it. I mean, it was. Mm. Like I said, he came in at full, full speed. That's what they yeah. do, too. <laughs> Saw us at like 10 yards away off to his left, and then immediately just in full speed, just changed directions and was just yeah. going off across the clearing. And then my brother lit off a couple of rounds and didn't hit it. But I mean, I swear he was dodging the bullets. I mean, he would, he would go back one way and then the other way. And he, like he knew he was getting shot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, but anyway, so since then, I haven't used a bipod again. But I, I follow the same school of thought, though. When, when I mm. sit, you know, you got your little, um, I, I use the Stealthy Hunter glassing pad yep. that, we, uh, that, that, that we all use. And uh, I did just sitting there on your rear end in the snow, you kind of kick out a little spot to sit. You're kind of recessed down a little bit. That's some cover for, you know, the, the bottom half of you when you're sitting there. And then I just have my knees propped up and I just rest the rifle on one or the other knee. And then I, I same thing, I have the, I have the stock on my shoulder, and it, it's it's uh, it sits there mm. well enough so that if something pops out, I can just reach up my right hand. I'm usually trying to push the button with my right hand, and then if something pops out, I just reach that hand up and grab the gun and just manipulate and shoot. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. As little of motion as possible because most people don't realize, and like we mentioned earlier, they're coming in to eat. Right. They're looking intently for whatever is right. making that noise. Yep. And as soon as you move, 
they're going to key in on you like, is that the rabbit? Well, and, and, and then they realize they, you're not a rabbit and then they're gone. Yeah. And, and that happens in two seconds and, or less. And people forget, you know, that's how they make their living. You yeah. Know? And, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, and, then, and the other the other side of that, too, is, you know, you sit down, you hunker down and you're right at. Yeah. You're right at eye level for most most critters. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. you're right. Yeah. You sit down and you think you're hiding and you just put yourself <clears throat> there in front of everybody. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 It puts you in their dimension. Yeah. yeah. So. What would you say was like your, your early lessons that you were learning with this? Like what's, what's the common mistakes that like you had to learn to correct? That would be, let's just say your, your toughest one. If, um, there, if there is one. I think gear maintenance is a huge one. Yeah. Yep. So I know you guys all know this. Cold is the killer of electronics. Mm. It's yep. the killer yep. of equipment. No. Yep. Everything gets sticky. Everything malfunctions. Yep. Um, light primer strikes mm. that's a huge one and yeah. I'll, I'll sacrifice a, a rifle and strip all that oil out oh absolutely and run it dry and mm-hmm. there's guys out there that'll be like you know no way <laughs> and uh, you know and i'll and i'll give it some some tlc in the spring but i run everything pretty dry yeah. i've had a lot of light primer strikes yeah um don't you know not mm-hmm. keeping stuff real oiled up that's a huge one even with good lube i i don't you know i don't think they make anything that contends with this these elements mm-hmm. at all yeah I yeah mean, yeah when you're sitting out there at negative 40 i mean that's it doesn't matter <laughs> you know that they make cold cold weather gun lubricant but yeah it's, even that stuff, man. I've had that stuff gum up on me too. I've tried all kinds of stuff and it's just like a it's like a debris attractant, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that's that's really the big part. Every so, bit of dust and anything that kicks up, yeah, it's it's yeah. not good. I, I do the same thing. I, I I run every gun I own dry. I, I don't run anything oiled for any time of year for any purposes. Any kind of lubricant? Oh, really? Nothing. That you're the first guy I've met. I I, no. I, no. I do not like running any lubricant on anything. Now my maintenance routine if i'm storing something mm. it gets oiled up absolutely yeah but as soon as i go out on a hunt i mean it, and i've been doing this for years now every rifle i take out i am paranoid like you mentioned about light primer strikes where you get that firing pin spring that'll get a little bit of grease on it or a little bit of oil and it just is a magnet for dirt and dust it is and your rifle does get dirty that is inevitable and going through the brush and getting dirty, it seems like all those little particles of pine needles or whatever it is somehow makes its way into your bolt assembly, and it just mm. ends up dusty and dirty over time. Yeah. And so before every hunt, I just take a paper towel and I just I just wipe it off. Now it, it still has some residue so on yeah, there. You don't you yeah. don't degrease it. No. I don't degrease it, yeah, but I just okay. take off what's on the surface. I don't want people to get the wrong idea um, that, like, because if he degreased it, his bolt wouldn't function right. Well, well and, right. and that's what I was going to say yeah. is, I I do a similar thing. I just put a light coating on it. What I do is I make sure yeah. any kind of excess is off there because yeah. you, you, you're right. You don't it just want any kind of everything. Yeah, yeah, because essentially it's just moisture. I'll right? take one of those so, blue shop towels and just yeah. take and break everything yeah. down, mm-hmm. and you know. And then the other thing is too is clean when you get home. I mean, right. it's because you'll neglect cleans and that's... Because you'll go from hot, cold, hot, cold in and out of your truck, yep. outside yeah. making sets, back in the truck, and then it condensates. Well, and, there's always if, and then if you let that moisture sit on the gun, that can that can be a a um, 
Oh, it, it can ruin an action in no well, time. Well, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? That 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 that'll be a growing point for any deterioration mm, of your yeah, steel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it in a spot that will start to rust, and even in places that you don't see it, like inside the bolt body. Um, Absolutely, you know, that, that's that's a great place for corrosion to start. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I kind of yeah. look at uh, like predator rifles as just. Um, sacrificial equipment <laughs> because it's i mean it's you know by they the time you put them abuse. through the ringer yeah. it's mm-hmm. I mean, yeah i yeah. mean i've gone through some i've gone through some setups do, do you do you prefer bolt action or semi-auto um that bolt action seems to be a lot more reliable mm-hmm. in when you're talking about all these different factors yeah, yeah. Um, yeah for a, sure a semi-auto yeah. is always awesome for follow-up shots right because things aren't always what they seem. Yeah. You know, first shot, but, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, or if you get multiples. Yeah, yeah. You can do that, you know? Yep. Yeah. And I, I know I, I, when I was first getting into it, I, I just went out with my AR basically, mm-hmm. you know, full metal jacket, five, five, six. Perfect. And you know, there are issues with yeah, those when yeah. they get that cold, you know, they don't like it very much. So yeah, you, you can know. hear, you can hear and see that bolt traveling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, get, get, get stuck motion. halfway back and yep. you know, it's just not happy at all. Yeah. So. yeah, for sure. So have you ever gone through the ice? Uh, I have. I was actually, oh. I was trying to beaver trap one time and I went through thin ice and, no. that, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and that, that one kind of sticks out in my mind. And yeah. so uh, I've gone through, you know, waist deep stuff. I mean, that's not uncommon. I like, I push the limits a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to cross. Yeah. Overflow stuff yeah, overflow. or, you know, where it's starting to get heavy and the ice mm-hmm. ain't real good underneath. And yeah. you're, you're mm-hmm. like, or you go retrieve something. You don't really think when you set up yeah. like, Hey, this is a great spot. Yeah. You don't really plan out like, you know, <laughs> well, if I get something, I'm going to have to walk across all that dark stuff over there, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. 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 And the overflow can be, be crazy up here. I've yeah. seen it. I mean, I was out caribou hunting one time, and and I know know a guy that that shot a caribou in the middle of winter, and, and then he fell through. Oh wow! On some of those some of those drainage or uh, the creeks down there. You know, and, yeah, I'll say it's crazy. I've been out um spot I I moose hunt or have moose hunted in the past, mm-hmm. and there's one big wide creek. It's like I don't know, ten feet wide, two three feet deep. Like you can usually barely get a wheeler across it, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's if you know exactly where to ride, and um. That thing will freeze solid in the wintertime. Yeah. Solid. I mean, freeze mm-hmm. solid to the point where the ice falls in onto dry ground underneath. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then there's another creek five miles away that's, yeah. uh, you know, it's one of those ditches that's just kind of steep on both sides. Can't get a wheeler across it, not because of the water that's, you know, one foot wide mm-hmm. and a foot deep in the bottom, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that one will run all winter long. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. weird. Yeah. You guys ever see like right there on Cushman, right before the range there, the right side? There's that, there's always that open water there. Hmm. And I and I I think fishing game usually pulls a couple moose out of there at the end of every year that go through. Oh, oh really? yeah, it just never freezes for some yeah. reason. Interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. I, I know when I was down this isn't up here, but down when I was down in Yellowstone, there was a, a section that we went through, and we had a little tour guide taking us through the park and everything, and he he showed us this area, and it was just this wide open flat, and apparently there were ponds everywhere, and it was all snowed over when we were there. It was the middle of winter, but he was pointing out to us that the bison will 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 do that though. Oh, Every once in a while, yeah. a young one or just one that's being being negligent, I guess, would yeah. walk across there. And he says that's the best spot for grizzly viewing 
in the uh, in the spring because the grizzlies just oh, have figured yeah. out that there's always dead bison in these yeah. ponds. Oh, that's oh. cool. And so, and so yeah, it's, and it's like right off the road too. Huh. But l- luckily, I, I've been lucky on, on my adventure so far. I haven't fallen through any ice yet. And, went, and part of that is maybe just over caution because yeah. there was one time I was doing a set and I was I was right on this lake and I thought it was perfectly solid and everything. And I went out there and I'm walking out to set my, my collar away from me. And I got probably 50 yards out onto the pond and all I've heard was and yeah. I just like started <laughs> sinking mm. and I just like threw the collar just so I could still make the set and <laughs> just started slowly <laughs> backing out. Yeah. All right, that's as far as I go. <laughs> yeah, when I was you know? when I was trying to find spots, you know, these guys are like, "Oh yeah, go out on the rivers," you know. And, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Well, maybe back when you were running around, but with these warm winters, you know." Yeah, and then sometimes yeah. we don't even get yeah. it, you know water stays open all winter long. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, a couple of years ago, I was going out to make a set, and uh, I by myself. And I, I had a little pond that I didn't think was going to be very deep. I thought it was more of a marsh than anything. And, uh, and I, 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 I've said before, I'm 6'2". I'm not, mm. uh, you know, I'm a pretty tall fella. And by myself, I was off the road quite a ways. And I had made the set. I was done calling. And I, I think I'd actually had a fox come in and busted me and took off. And so I was a little bit dejected and I was, out there in the middle of the pond grabbing my collar and I was walking back out to the trail to go back out towards the truck. It was cold. And I just out of nowhere, I, well, okay. I'll preface this by saying I, I looked up ahead of me and I was walking in my footprints that I had walked in on and my footprints were full of water mm-hmm. from, from my trip in. And so I, I and I'm way over cautious about crossing ice. Yeah. I've always been afraid of that. Yeah, same here. And I noticed that there was water in my footprints. I thought, eh, well, I hope it's just overflow. But, you know, I'm only like five feet from the trees now, so I'm I, I'm fine, you know. And the next step I took, <laughs> I, I mean, it was like I free fell through a hole. It just was so fast. I don't even remember falling through the ice. I just don't. Just next thing you know, boom. And I went up, and I... <laughs> It must have just been reflex, but I had my rifle in my left hand, and I had my collar and my remote in my right hand. And uh, when I went through, my I just my arms were stiff, and I just hit the ice with my hands. Mm. And I didn't touch the bottom, and I went almost up to my waist, and I, I kind of cushioned myself. And it was, I mean, I was in the water for maybe two seconds before mm-hmm. I just launched myself back out mm. and I just lunged and then rolled <laughs> to the tree. It's weird how you find skills you didn't know you had in those I situations. Mean, I, I, it happened so fast. I like even talking about it, I don't remember doing it. It was just yeah. just that fast. And then I realized, oh boy, I'm a good distance from the road and it's really cold. You know, it, it was 15, 20 below. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you're wearing all that warm winter gear and now it's waterlogged and it's 20 below and you can just see you look down at yourself and the steam is just pouring off yourself and uh so anyway i started i started the long chilly walk back the truck and i i, I ran i mean i yeah. I, I was jogging yeah. in you start snow. moving and you don't stop just you have to and that's just keeping yourself time to warm get, time to get home and keeping my clothes from getting stiff you know keeping my overwhite suit mm-hmm. from getting stiff and freezing up 
and I had bunny boots on and I'd gotten water in my boots, but, and I, to be fair, it wasn't a life-threatening situation. I, I ran back the truck. I was back there in 10 minutes or less. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, immediately stripping down to my long johns, sitting in the truck and I, uh, but, uh, um, a friend of mine that I, I won't name his name on the show, he's an avid predator caller. And he went into the water like up to his shoulders. Yeah. Man. He was walking across a pond and there was a little inlet stream that apparently is warm. And he'd never seen it. It gets snowed over so you can't tell where mm-hmm. it's at on the pond. Mm. And he fell through and it, it about got him. I mean, he, his rifle was on his shoulder. And uh, I, I just remember he, uh, he showed me a picture of it, his rifle, when he got home. He had it in the shower just dripping, but it was, it had an, it, it was encased in ice and, <laughs> wow. it, and it was really cold that night. I, I don't remember how cold it was out, but I mean, he went in deep and he didn't touch the bottom either. And he was lucky just to grab himself and pull himself back out. Yeah. That's definitely something to yeah. consider. That was, own, you know, that was a lot more of a close call than mine was by far. But I mean, I was nervous and tentative about being on the ice before, especially alone. Right. But ever since that happened a few years ago, I... I you stay away from it? Well, it's not that I stay away from it. It's careful. just that I'm a lot more observant. And if, I, if I'm if i taking a step and I can feel that there's overflow underneath mm-hmm. my feet, I'm I'm walking away. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not going to take that chance. It's not worth dying for, you know? Yeah, uh, I, I like... I started doing kind of the... the what do you call that? The stomp and step method. Oh yeah. So yeah, you know, as I'm walking out on the ice, I'm stomping as hard as I can and and trying to see if I I feel any cracking or any any For shifting sure. because it's better if you can use yeah. you know like a long pole or something like that and kind of yeah. stab ahead of you, but nobody's yeah. going to be carrying I, I that when they're predator to, hunting. So <laughs> I kind of try to stay away from that that danger element altogether. Do you really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah. That's just too scary. Uh, and there's plenty yeah. of areas that are just marshy fields that if you know there's not a lake there, then and, right. and that's There's the other no thing risk. too you can always just avoid that risk and just mm-hmm. pull up on the side of that thing and and tuck into some tighter cover and yeah. switch yeah. plans you don't there's no need to go swimming you know yeah well so we, we talked a little bit about risky country and everything and yeah oh uh, you want to go ahead yeah okay. I, I had a quick thing i wanted to say i i, uh, I grew up uh, with a slough in my backyard which is like a real slow moving creek it's full of marsh, but there's also there's there's areas where it Sewage. flows and not this one, <laughs> thankfully. <laughs> We're in Alaska and it's a really relatively small city, so no, it's not sewage. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, there, there's 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 like swampy areas and marsh areas and channels, and then big deeper open areas that are more like a like a river, mm-hmm. but full of like but just full of uh, like all kinds of weeds and stuff that you know you, you fall in in the summertime and. You you come out with stuff all over you, from <laughs> yeah. muck to different three different species. It's a great of, place to get swimmers itch. It is. Yeah. Um, actually, with the moving water, we never had an issue with it there. Yeah, hmm. but the pond down the road, though. The pond down the road, yeah. But I'm not talking <laughs> about that. I'm talking about the slough. Sorry, I just had to bring it up. But because of that slough, all winter long, as a kid in Alaska who yeah. had nothing better to do, right, but right, learn learn about how. Oh yeah, learn about ice. <laughs> um, I got a tremendous amount of experience in getting wet and um yeah, yeah. <laughs> got really really good and I, I still retain a lot of that information today is uh looking just looking at a lake or looking at a pond or a river and yeah. you know, and just you can tell if there's deep snow yeah mm-hmm. in the middle 
you're usually good. If there's deep snow on the edge, that's where you got to be cautious. Just like you were saying, you're stopping yeah. through the deep snow. There was yeah. some overflow, which caught that deep snow creates insulation, which right, causes that right. ice to start to melt. Exactly. But that snow stays. And right. just like you said, by the, by the creek, mm-hmm. the snow kind of forms on the early ice. There yep. was just enough heat to keep for the ice to melt. Yeah. Anyway, I don't have to go into all that right now. But yeah. No. That that's that's a great point to bring up. That's, yeah, that's those are great. Good, good points for staying out of trouble. You yeah. know. And, and you know, and honestly, yeah. the darker ice, especially on a lake, usually that's you know because it's windswept or something, or because overflow has happened. And mm. when overflows happen, you've got dark ice. That's usually some of the safest places to walk because yeah. there's not snow insulating anything. Underneath. And I mean, generally yeah. speaking, if, if we have a more typical Fairbanks winter in the interior. If it stays 20, 30 below for the majority right. of a couple of months, most of the ice is going to be just fine to be on oh, for yeah. lakes and ponds. Mm-hmm. Unless you have like a hot spring inlet, which, you know, there's no way of knowing. And you have to be careful about that. Right. Um, but then walking, if you choose to go out on the ice, walking with that mindset of if I go through, what's my reaction? And yeah. carrying your rifle in your hand like I did probably helped me a lot to jump out of there as, in, in that short amount of time. Mm. Because had I had it on my shoulder, uh, th- th- that rifle acts as a surface area in increase. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's, a, it's a force multiplier, if you will, yeah. <laughs> in that instance. Like a snowshoe almost. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And you have more surface area and, and not buoyancy, but yeah. just more... Yeah. Weight, weight dispersion. Right, guys. right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. That, that's what I was looking for. Yep. Um, but yeah, just having that in mind and, and preparing yourself that, yeah, if yeah. you do go through the and you get back out, the best thing you can do is to just start running. You mm-hmm. can't, don't sit still, don't freak out. Yeah. Just, you know, you're okay, you're fine. Get back to the truck and get right. that heater going. Yep, well, and get it, that gear off. Yeah, That's exactly. Yeah, right, get the right. wet off. Don't, down. don't sit in that stuff. Yeah, yeah. strip down. And, and arguably, just, just applying caution when you're hunting really anywhere in Alaska, but especially when you're out in the cold, potentially wet situation when it's negative 30, you know, you got to really don't be afraid to do it. Right. But, but have it in the back of your mind to have a plan B, C, Mm -hmm. D, you know, and and what's going to happen if I go out here and not, not going out onto a lake, a pond, a stream, anything like that with, uh, a careless attitude right you you, you want to make sure you're out there having fun and and being successful as possible and and prepare for the worst hope for the best exactly yeah and, and that stands true of just about anywhere yeah so absolutely so we talked about a little bit of uh wet situations you know kind of areas to 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 be in what and we've talked about kill boxes and stuff like that too what would you say you're looking for when you're out there trying to go after these critters, like what's like a, and and I'm sure it differs depending on what you're going after. So whether it's fox, lynx, coyotes, things like that, like what terrain features are are you looking for? What kind of sets are you looking to make when you're out there? Um, uh, you know, obviously like you guys know, it's like any kind of hunting fresh sign is always good. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys will stay home on a snowy day. That's the day that I want to be out. Yeah. Because that's when you're, you can really identify that fresh sign, especially if it's filling in in front of you. Yeah. Yeah. It just happened. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, that's in the same note, that's not always a good thing to go by because if a lynx walked through here an hour ago, he <laughs> might be three miles away wandering right. and he's not going to turn around and come back and right. you see what's going on. Mm, I mean, right. in most situations, I don't think, but, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'll also call where I don't see sign. 
Mm-hmm. Because yeah. what we tend to do is we take the easy route and look out the truck window and man, I haven't seen any sign in 20 miles. And you know, yeah. just because you don't see that sign right off the side of the road doesn't mean there's not a, a big thoroughfare 300 yards off. Mm, right. I mean, if it, if they don't have any reason to access the road, they're not going to. Right. right. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, I wouldn't write that off. Mm-hmm. I've There's been tons of times. I've called critters where there's no sign. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's another difference in opinion. A lot of guys, you know, we got short days, so short daylight, obviously, if you know, you want to make the most of your time calling and if Mm -hmm. you can find sign, that's great. But a lot of the time don't, I mean, I wouldn't let that deter you from setting up somewhere. And yeah. Um, do you call it all at night with lights? Um, what I, I really like calling under full moon yeah, or mm-hmm. leading up to full moon. And then yeah. after you get some really good bright nights yeah. after, after a good full moon. Yeah. Um, I know I got a couple buddies that run light systems mm-hmm. and you know, they got the pressure switch there and there's red and green lens. Yep. Um, that's, that can be really good. Mm-hmm. Um, also I I've have the theory that with lights too. Yeah. 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 And, and I also have the theory that if they, if you can see them, they can also see you. Right. So yeah, <laughs> you, <laughs> you yeah. get the notion that you have the upper hand and that's not really the case sometimes. So yeah. Yeah. now I know you, you and I had had a discussion one time about that because, um, I was showing you a particular light that I was looking at to purchase and you had, uh, you, you had mentioned something about, you'd noticed the, the animals here tend to be a lot more light shy. Because yeah, they do. You, you can look up on YouTube and everything about these guys, and like you'd pointed out with the Midwest and these high yeah. density areas, yeah. and they're they're out there blasting any color of light they they really care out about. In the soybean and, fields, and, you know, it doesn't yeah. seem to matter. These yeah. these coyotes and these foxes are just running in anyways. But yeah. uh, you you said oh. by your experience, it hasn't been there hasn't been your experience up here necessarily. No, so, and I've tried this, you know, you're, so it's legal to use artificial mm-hmm. light under a trapping license within right. regulatory season. Right. So, yeah. I mean, um, I've tried the whole shining method and mm-hmm. I, I think shadows are a big one. Um, yeah. I don't think I haven't had very much success with, with shining or anything really? like that. But yeah. so for folks that don't know, explain the shining method. Um, so you kind of broadcast light. You don't mm-hmm. really, you kind of, uh, maybe you guys got a better way to explain this. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not something I've really dove into much. So you kind of scan. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, so you generally you have a shooter and you have a scanner yeah. and then you have a weapon mounted light. And so when you go to take your shot, you, the idea is, is that you don't have any lapse between um, shining eyes and then getting set up to take a shot and um so the idea is once you once you shine once you spot eyes in some way shape or form till that shot's taken Mm -hmm. you maintain light on that on those eyes right right and and i know that the theory there is that if if you don't turn the light they don't think anything's up because the light's always been there right the other thing is predators are typically colorblind to Mm -hmm. red and green and so they don't the, the theory is that they don't see the change in light like we do because yeah. to them, they might notice something's a little off, but they don't see yeah. the, the brightness of a red light or a green yeah. light. Yeah. And in some areas I've even seen them using white light, which seems yeah. weird to me, but the, that's the, the tactic that I've seen most people say where you want to keep your call close to you mm. is because then the animals are coming in looking at you and right. you'll get that eye shine. Right. 
because they're not looking to the middle of a field somewhere where they're not yeah. going to get that. You're not going to get yeah. that reflection from yeah. the light. And the way that I've used lights is that exact method. Mm-hmm. I, I just wanted to hear your explanation of it. But yes, starting out with always having on, and, and I've done this alone and, and called stuff in with it, 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 but it is difficult running a scanner light in my left hand. This just on a very low brightness setting. And it, it, it's, it's like just a, it's not a spotlight. It's more of like a flood style beam. Mm-hmm. It's just very easily dispersed off. And it doesn't look that bright necessarily. You don't get great visual clarity out of it necessarily. But all you're trying to do is as soon as something steps out, you get the reflection off of their eyes. And that, that obviously that flags that, okay, there's something standing right there. Or mm-hmm. there's, a, there's something running in across that snow patch. And, and so then you get it in your rifle, and then, like you said, you have a weapon-mounted light. Now, if you can see well enough with the scanning light, then you can take a shot mm-hmm. if you can see well enough. But if you cannot, then a lot of times, and what I've done is I have a barrel-mounted pencil beam light that is aligned with my reticle and my scope, and I just click that light on, and it just it lights up. I mean, the one that I've used in the past is the... I think it's Predator, uh, uh, no, Varmint Lights, I think, okay. is, I think is the company. And there's like Coyote yeah. Cannon, there's Yeah, Primos, something there's like yeah. that. But it, it, it's just, a, I mean, it, and again, it doesn't look like it's that bright of a flashlight when you're just looking at it, mm-hmm. just shining it, like outside or even in a room. But it's that tiny little dot pencil beam that just goes way out there. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it aligns with your reticle. And that is, you click that on, and then you need to make your shot quick after you turn that light on, because now they see a difference in the light intensity, Mm -hmm. and they know something's up. And oftentimes, they'll kind of freeze, two, three, and then they're going to go. Right. And so I've had luck with that method, and one of my mentors for Predator Calling, um, he's had a lot of success with that. Mm -hmm. I mean... A lot of success. He almost exclusively calls with lights. Yeah. Um, my dad has killed a lot of critters, predator calling, and he prefers just full moon. He does not call very much, if at all, anymore with lights, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But he loves just morning, evening, and then full moon cycles. Yeah. And, and when you get that full moon on this, especially oh, with the snow yeah. cover and everything yeah, like that on a great. clear night, it's man, great. It's it's not as good as daylight, but it's per, oh, it's, it's pert near. Pretty I mean, close. It's, yeah, it's. I mean, you, you can drive with your headlights off. Yeah. honestly, and that, not that yeah. you should, <laughs> <laughs> but but you can. It's it's that yeah. bright out. It's the, awesome. The definitive advantage I would see to lights versus moonlight mm. is with that eye shine. If you've got a cat that's lingering in yes. the brush and yes. it hasn't exposed itself yet, I have had that see work. That, right, yeah. yeah. You I can have. see that eye shine through the bushes yeah. as it just peeks its head out. Yeah. And you might not be able to take the shot right then, but at least you know yeah. it's there. Yeah. It, I've, it I've had that itself. exact situation happen. And mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier having cats that hang up at distance. I've probably had a half dozen different links over the years in my struggling days of predator calling <laughs> that I'll stand up after 20 minutes or a half hour of a set and I'll, I'll stand up to leave and I do a quick scan with a rifle and then boom, a lynx just takes off. And he was sitting in the willows in a you know riverbank or a creek side or other side of a lake or a pond mm-hmm. and he was just sitting there watching me and uh, he knew something was up decoy wasn't convincing enough or whatever or he got a smell and everybody know. thinks they're dumb but i mean no, it, they're, cats they're one of the easier ones smart. but they're yeah. definitely smart yeah. yeah a side note to that full moon 
is um, if you can kind of time your your trips around that full moon. Yeah, is uh, you know, you so we have really short days when mm. it's optimal calling time. And right. so you can utilize that moon to kind of extend your days. So, yeah. you know, you're going to have a full moon and you're going to run out of light in four hours. Yeah. And that's another thing I like to do is I'll run a scope mounted predator light. Mm-hmm. And you might have where the moon's starting to build a little bit, but it's not optimal. Mm. And you get a little blotch coming across the pond or a clearing and you can illuminate it. Right. And I, we shoot a lot of stuff like that too. My, yeah. my buddy yeah. and I that, that I hunt with, he, he kind of turned me onto that. And yeah. I, I, I'm like, yeah, I don't know about this, but I've, I've shot a lot <laughs> of critters that are just black dots that you can't make out and you mm-hmm. light them up. And, and it's good too, because sometimes, you know, that moon kind of, that moon will come up a little later. Right. So you have that couple hour period there where the, the, looms not optimal right between yeah. like but eight you, o'clock and 11 or something like that yeah and it, yeah. And it keeps kind of fluctuating as right. it progresses that those moon phases progress on so yeah. those lights are a good filler for you can still be successful right yeah. bag for with for sure. the, those lights and, and you like just kind of just spot them real quick like you like yeah I, I actually just started doing that last year and so you'll kind of you'll have the call going and you can't really make anything out mm-hmm. but you'll catch a blotch kind of moving yeah. along and then what you do is and it works really good for fox too is you just light them up and then mm-hmm. take your shot and it's like dalton was saying it's a quick gig it's yeah. you don't want to hang yeah. out no it's yeah. yeah that that's that's a great way to do that too and even it, even with moonlight yeah that, mm-hmm. that light can just give you a little bit more clarity i like a dim i've been kind of getting into the dim green lights and i don't know if it makes a difference but a good broad you know a good broad lens but Hey guys, if you've listened to the show for any amount of time, you've likely heard Dalton and I go back and forth about bullet construction, and how I like rapid expanding bonded core bullets that leave massive wound channels. I've also stated I would never use a monolithic bullet. Well, I'm here to tell you about the company that finally changed my mind. Hammer Bullets produces what I would consider the most premium and best working monolithic bullets on the market today. These bullets are designed so that after penetrating the hide of an animal, the front half of the bullet explodes, shedding its petals and imparting massive damage to the vital areas while retaining the rear shank for maximum penetration, effectively closing the gap between lead core and monolithic construction. The guys at Hammer designed these bullets with 100% focus on how they perform once they reach their destination. But don't let that fool you. These bullets have amazing VCs and have specialized pressure groups built in for amazing inherent accuracy. They have a minimum velocity rating of 1,800 feet per second, which allows for long-range shots but have no maximum velocity, making them perfect for every cartridge from your granddaddy's old 30-30 to the high-velocity rounds like the Weatherby 3378 without having to worry about your bullet failing. They've also recently partnered with Weatherby to provide factory ammunition for a multitude of cartridges. To view their expansive selection and find the perfect match for your hunting needs, go to hammerbullets.com to buy yours today and drop the hammer on your next adventure. So one big thing I want to point out before we move on from this is I want to read the actual regulation on here as, okay. as ADF and G has it laid out because I think it's important. There's some important definitions in here to, to keep in mind for any of our listeners that mm-hmm. might be intrigued in using this method. So as it reads, it's on page 13 of the trapping regulations because you can only use 
artificial light under a trapping regulation in certain units during certain times of the year. So right. it covers that really well here, but okay, it's a little long, so bear with me. But the opener is, this is in the you may not take. Okay. And it's take fur bears with the aid of a pit, fire, light, other than sunlight or moonlight, laser light, excluding rangefinders, electronically enhanced night vision, any forward-looking infrared device, any device that has been airborne, controlled remotely, or communicates wirelessly, and used to spot or locate game with the use of a camera or video device, any camera or other sensory device that can send messages through wireless communication, artificial salt lick, explosives, expanding gas arrows, bombs, smoke, deer urine, elk urine, chemical, excluding scent lures, or a conventional steel trap with the inside jaw spread over nine inches. Exceptions, killer-style body grip traps with a jaw spread of less than 13 inches may be used. Now, some of that might sound a little familiar. There was something similar to that in the, yeah. in the big game regs. Now, the important part is here at the very end. So it says, artificial light may be used for the purpose of taking fur bears November 1st through March 31st in units 7 and 9 through 26. So since it does not specify subunits, that's just anything in unit 9 through unit 26. So 20's covered, 14's covered, all right. of that jazz. Right. During open season, and use wireless communication to take a, a specific animal until after 3 a.m. the following day. Right. So it basically follows using Super Cub you, yeah, 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 using yeah. wireless communication. Super Cub rules follows yeah. follows aircraft rules. Yeah. Now the the reason I brought that up is if you're outside units seven or nine through twenty six, yeah, you cannot use artificial light any time of the year. So make sure you're checking that out. Right, and it's only between November first and March thirty first. Okay, but the 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 part I really wanted to touch on here is. We've spoken a lot about methods used in the lower 48, and a lot of times if you're watching YouTube videos of guys hunting coyotes or anything like that, they're using those infrared scopes, those mm -hmm. night vision, artificial night vision, and that is something that is 100% outlawed here in Alaska. Right. So with that, you cannot use it to scout for game, you cannot use it to take game, and you cannot use it to basically have any part of the hunt yeah. in general. Yeah. So but if you're listening to this and you do want to use lights headlamps things like that within the, the bounds of this reg I, I just laid out it's perfectly usable so yeah i think that wraps up light um i was gonna ask about what cartridges you like to use for predator calling up here yeah i was gonna say you ha you have a, a very nice lineup of cartridges that you brought in to show us and uh, to talk about <laughs> so my two go-to's right now are the uh the 17 wsm I like to, uh, anything 200 yards in, in, mm -hmm. I'm pretty cozy with that. And then anything reaching out is that 204 and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Okay. And I'm sure that'll change again by mid season, the, next season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So how long have you been using that WSM, the 17 WSM? Um, I, I got it midway through last season. I, was gonna say, I think we talked about it a yep, little bit. And yeah. I dropped, uh, I dropped a couple cats with it. It was great with that for that. Um, mm -hmm. what, what are you shooting as far as grainage goes? Um, I, I can tell it's a V max, but is a, that a 20 grain? It's a 20 grain okay. and the box I think is claiming 3000 FBS. So, I mean, it's really, it's, yeah. That and it's screaming. It is. Um, and then 
And I think with a hundred yard zero, you're looking at a 4.2 inch drop at 200 yards. So for a rim fire, that's, that's, that's pretty sweet. That's phenomenal. You, I don't think you could ask for more. No, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. That's, and, uh, how does it do? I'm sure that VMAX does pretty good, but how's it do on fur? It, it does really well. Does it? Yeah. yeah so far it's done great. I've dropped yeah. coyotes with it. You Have know, you really? Yeah. And I mean, it, it anchors them. So really, cause that's one of the biggest things you see online is, is people saying, well, it's, it's good for Fox and links and things like that, but just, it's not, there's not enough oomph for coyotes and stuff. And yeah, I haven't, everybody has their opinion, I'm sure. But like, I mean, yeah. And different experiences too. Yeah. I mean, you know? Yeah, no, that's uh, that's awesome. And then the next one here you've got is the the twenty two mag. That's that's my personal one I use. So yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. What, how long have you been? You said you've used that quite extensively. I right? use that for most of the beginning portion of my culling, and mm-hmm. uh, that it works great. I mean, it's awesome. And mm-hmm. I've shot coyotes uh, out to a hundred. You know, hundred and thirty five. I think was the furthest with that round and and it works great too nice. yeah as long as you're selective and you're patient and, yeah you know yeah well and i think that's a big thing with most people is just making sure you're not taking bad shots at these things yeah you know? i'm sure when, a lot of people that and have a run off into the woods and yeah if you're shooting one of these little light rim fire cartridges a mm-hmm. lot of times you're well under 150 yards preferably under 100 for for maximum performance yeah and that 22 magnum shoots what a 40 grain it's a 30 grain v max you can go all the way down to 30 i think you go you can go all the way up to 50 yeah mm-hmm. I, I know so. the 22 magnum that that i've that i've used in the past i've shot 40 grain just mm-hmm. uh lead soft points and that they they do a good job yeah too. i think it's cci that makes those if I remember right, mine are Winchester. Are they the Winchester models? Yeah. Okay, I yep. think I have some. I think they're made in the same are... factory, but I'm not 100 percent on that. So yeah, yeah <laughs> I have some Remington. It's it's like a little silver Winchester box, mm-hmm. but yeah. So you mentioned the 204. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it's the only thing I'm not really into is it's pretty limited on bullet selection, but I haven't found anything that's that flat without doping on the fly and mm. this is the 204 ruger cartridge. 204 ruger yeah and uh you know there that one's claiming 42 25 fps <laughs> and with, with how heavy of a bullet that, uh 32 grain 32 grainer yeah Man. okay and they got a 40 grainer and i know some guys have luck stabilizing that but a lot mm. of these barrels come one and tw- okay yeah okay yeah and so i i haven't had luck really stabilizing them i got a buddy that runs a 204 runs both weights and he doesn't even have to change zero he gets consistent results it's just so fast yeah and i haven't had that luck i start getting big groups and (laughs) Mm -hmm. okay you know but that that my gun seems to seems to like those 32 grainers okay yeah i I know i've really been looking into getting one of those 204s and so no, sorry to cut you off there. I was going to ask what animals you've shot with that 204 and what the what the result has been on the hides. Uh yeah, fur damage. Um it's I've used it on uh coyotes. It's done really well. Um it I've definitely learned that there's no rifle that's a dual rifle when it comes to predator hunting. Yeah. And that's I mean, you're going to bounce around. Most guys are that I know are running two different calibers. So like I say that 17 is it's the sweet spot between zero and a hundred. And mm. if I'm going to be reaching out, I go over to that 204 gotcha. and, uh, and I don't really put a lot of my fur up for sale. So if I got to sew a, sew a messy <laughs> hole, I'm okay with that yeah. there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it works good. I, I it anchors, it, it anchors wolves. Well, 
um, which is surprising. You know, everyone's mm. don't shoot a wolf. A two hundred four won't kill a wolf. Well, you know that's that's not true. <laughs> but uh, so you have some experience in that, don't you? <laughs> yeah, I mean it does really well. I got a buddy that's taken wolves at at pretty good distances, several hundred yards with a with a oh, two hundred four. Wow. He's the one that sold me on it. And okay. Mm-hmm. So the only thing I wish, I wish they had some bullet availability in that. You get a lot of these like frangible varmint type bullets. Right. And yeah. I, I wish they'd make something that was a little more, you know, held together a little better. Well, mm-hmm. uh, that being said, I'm got pulled up right now on Hammer's website. They make a uh, 31 grain, a 39 grain and a 48 grain in 204. So if you do reloading. Really? What type? Uh, they're all the Hammer Hunters, which are the 60 to, we talked about at the beginning. 60 to 70% weight retention, and they just shed the pedals on opening, mm-hmm. and then they keep the rest of their weight and plunge all the way through. I got to so, try that. Yeah. 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 I, I was thinking about that. Actually, I was texting these guys about that earlier this week, how they yeah. do on fur, because yeah. it essentially, it, it acts just like a VMAX on initial impact and just kind of explodes, and those front pedals shed off, and all you're left with is just a diameter-sized shank right? that would definitely poke through the other side, but I, you know, I've, I've never... I haven't even reloaded any yet, so I, I would be interested to see what those do to fur. Yeah, maybe we can test that out next next yeah, winter. That'd be so, cool. Yeah. I wouldn't mind getting my hands on a couple of those. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. yeah so, what kind of ranges do you think that two hundred four like that? Uh, <laughs> like, for, mean, for me, um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not, I'm not a, a pro shot or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Three hundred yards is is my that's my window, okay. and nice. I know guys that. I know guys that have shot wolves out to 500 yards with that. Uh, that's not what? something I do for my <laughs> confidence level. I mean, I, I know where my limitations stand. So right. 300 is a sweet spot. Yeah. And if I got, if I'm not getting 300, I'm going to get on step and close some distance, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. So, and you yeah. just keep them both in the truck and wherever you end up, just kind of pick one. Yeah. That's pretty much it. If I'm, yeah. you know, if I got a short, if I got a short field of view and I don't need that much gun, there's no sense in hauling that 204 out, you know? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, I have a question for you and I don't know if you were going to ask this or not. Go for but, it. But uh, I, I, I don't think we've talked about it yet. Have you used shotguns at tight stands before? Uh, <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I guys, one of, one of my really good buddies that I hunt with, he swears by, he loves shotgun and stuff and I, really? I can't stand it. <laughs> no. Okay. No. So talk about why you don't like it and talk about why your buddy likes it. Uh, um, I mean, it's a fact. Um, okay. you know, I think a lot of guys that are doing that, they're running what? Number four. Okay. Okay. And double lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's pretty hard on fur sometimes. I was going to say, that seems pretty Yeah, big. that seems like it would turn And it surprisingly enough, I mean, I remember back in my um, tinkering with trapping days, I snared a fox one time that was just loaded with birdshot. Really? Yeah, oh. I mean, it. the fur was fine. So, yeah. you know, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not into the idea. I think... I think like your 22 mag you're running, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a great close quarters gun. Right, you put something yeah. with a low, low variable on that yep. and you, you can treat that like a shotgun. Right. You yeah. know, in close out, you know, out of ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it'll, you can cover a lot of ground with a 22 mag. Yeah. And, and I've known guys that use shotguns personally too. And, yeah. and it's, you know, the benefit to it when you're in those, those tight areas. And, and when we say tight, we mean like, 50 yards. Yeah, I would say even even tighter than that, where, yeah. where your visibility is so slim that the second they come out, it's... It's a, it's a swing you, shot. Yeah, yeah. You, you're, you're snap shooting these things. Right. And for that purpose, I think 
maybe if, if your intent is just yeah to yeah. be successful on a hunt but i so i've one, just never gotten around the whole there's a lot of guys how, that like that just throwing the call at your of, feet and yeah. just like getting the rush i just out can't of get over how hard it is on fur one man. of my mentors hunts an area that i i can't disclose that right he man how do i say this he has to use right a shotgun yeah and that, that's what allows him to hunt this particular spot yeah mm-hmm. Uh, and, and he, he has had, uh, a lot of success with a shotgun, but it's with these, you know, if it's a pond or like a slough bed or something where your visibility is 50 yards or less, mm-hmm. and when something comes out and closes that distance, like I said, you're well under that 50 yard mark. Yeah. And he's had pretty good luck with it, but mm-hmm. I've never used it. Uh, mm-hmm. and he, he hasn't had bad results on fur, but he also uses heavy enough shot that. He's gonna kill it if he if he's getting it. Right. right. Yeah, he's, some double he's, lot or something. He's also used it um, shooting links in like the willows and stuff. Yeah. Like uh, <laughs> in in an instance where you might deflect a little twenty two caliber bullet, uh, he's able to just throw a pattern through there and kill it. That sure. makes sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I know a lot of guys that do it. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I mean, to each of their own. It's I, just, I, I, yeah, I was just curious if you'd ever tried it. You but. know, uh, one time I had a bait pile going, and uh, it was a full moon. And I got busted by a fox, and I had a twenty-two mag, and I mean, I swung on him, and it just wasn't happening. So I, I let a few days go by, I let stuff simmer down, and I went out there with a four ten with buckshot. Okay, and he came back in the exact same way, and I nailed him at about seven yards. Okay, yeah, and, no and it, it wasn't awful, but it's it wasn't optimal. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's pretty funny. So along those lines, what are what are some ones you've used that you will just never use again? Do you have any that just completely marked off the list? Just uh, cut some cut something in half or just totally I'm reluctant to answer that because I don't really want to I don't want to like lead anybody Oh, just your personal opinion. You know, yeah. there's a lot of them. Um, <laughs> 300 Wind Mag. <laughs> 300 Weatherby. Right. <laughs> well, you know, it's crazy. I've I've had buddies kind of like uh, Mo was talking earlier, you know, take wolves with 300 Wind Mag. Oh, and, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and surprisingly enough, you, I mean, if it's, oh, yeah. you know, if you got 300 yards, I mean, yeah. or the right bullet, yeah. Yeah, I mean, your fur right. damage can be pretty minimal. Right. They're pretty dense creatures. So yeah. The wolves yeah. that I've shot have been with the seven mag as well. And I, yeah, I, I, the first one I shot, you were there. It was yeah. a three fifty, and it yeah, yeah. It, it didn't mess up the hide at all. Which I, I was amazed at because I was expecting yeah. like a, a softball size yeah. hole out the other side. But, but I mean, for coyotes and foxes, I, I've shot. I shot a coyote with a 300 wind mag one time. I was in the mountains looking for bears, and I, I, I well, my father-in-law and I were on a hunt together. We, we actually have film of it, and uh, I, we, we spotted a couple of coyotes up on this uh, up on this ridge top, and they had a they had a dead caribou, and I think there was four of them on the hill, and I just saw them running away through the brush. And I, hey, there's coyotes up here, mm-hmm. so we hunkered down, and I. Always have a mouth call on me, uh, even for bear hunting. Absolutely, you, know, you just get their attention and bring them in. So I grab my mouth call out of my bino harness and I start wailing on that call after we got some cover. Yeah. And uh, one of them turned around and just was beelining it right back in. I mean, turned around from oh, yeah. dead run away just to come running right back in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he came in to I don't know ninety yards, and I shot him with a three hundred wind mag. And I was I was, I was even shooting a Barnes bullet, but I mean, with that kind of velocity at that range. 
I mean, I tore a two-fisted hole out the side. <laughs> right. Um, kind of trashed that one. And then my first my first silver tip fox, I guess my only silver tip fox, um, I was caribou hunting with my seven millimeter Remington Magnum with 139 grain LRX, which is screaming. It's yeah. 3,300 feet a second. And the silver tip fox uh, had, had run across the, the area I was hunting. And so I got out my call, just a mouth call again, and called him right back out. And I shot him at about 40 yards no. <laughs> and that one i i could have probably fit my foot through the hole on the i was gonna ask you you got two fox for one on that yeah, one. yeah. just about i mean i picked it up and i just the guts were hanging out of it i was so sad about that yeah. but i wasn't gonna let it get away because i i, I mean it, it it uh it wasn't too bad once i got it tanned and it was just a wall hanger you know it mm. wasn't a big deal and and the top of the back which is the prettiest part anyway was still well intact. So you got all that silver tip hair that was just Yeah, beautiful. once you get them tanned up, you can hide a lot. Especially yeah. if you're throwing up on the wall, you're yeah. not going to see that kind of yeah, stuff. Right. They, exactly. You comb them out and they, but you don't you know, know the difference. Still mm-hmm. not ideal, especially if you're looking for, for hide preservation. Those are not <laughs> calibers that I would that I would recommend. Yeah, and I'm sure there is. I mean, there's guys, you know, I'm sure there's guys making a little dough off of, uh, yeah. you know, predator calling. And I mean, mm-hmm. so, you know, I do too sometimes gas money ammo money yeah scope money and stuff but right you're i mean your your numbers aren't like running a 200 mile trap line and where you're yeah it's i don't really worry too much about fur damage when it comes to that you're usually Mm -hmm. wall hanging them or gifting them and yeah it's something you can work around and if you got to sew a big hole learn to baseball stitch you know yeah right right and we all know how to do that yeah um the 223 i ran that for a long time and it just didn't seem to have the steam. Yeah. Um, like for the longer ranges or? Yeah, for the longer ranges. And it just didn't, you know, it just kind of seemed to ran, run out of gas. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I know there was one time. And I, and I kind of just did, didn't really anchor them like I wanted to with that mm-hmm. 223 a lot mm. of the time. It's, they'd be kill shots, but you'd be... Tr- you know doing track jobs right and Interesting. Uh, i remember one time i shot this coyote at like 210 i range him out at 210 and mm-hmm. hit him and i look through the binos and i see a little a little hole in the snow and i'm like i'm like maybe i maybe that was just a clean miss you know and i walk down there no blood no nothing walk uphill where where he went and i'm like this thing took off i'm like he's unscathed and i Walked all the way back to the truck, and I'm like, you know what? Grabbed the 22 pistol, dropped all my gear. I'm like, I'm going to go back up. So I went all the way back down to where I took that shot on him. Yeah. Walked back uphill 100 yards, almost turned around and walked back to the truck, walked 50 more yards, and looked up about probably 25 yards ahead, and he was dead under a tree. No mm. kidding. And I mean, so, you know, I kind of... I like the idea of just dropping them. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, for sure. It's it, it worked for a long time. I used it for years. That two two three is you know it's abundant. You can practice a lot. Yep. I wouldn't. I wouldn't not use it if it's what you got. Yeah. There's there's better stuff out there. And you know that that's the biggest complaint I've seen online when people are talking about using the two two three is just having to track more <clears throat> often than with other cartridges that's for, for some reason. And think, I, no, so, sorry. Go ahead. I, I think part of that is that a lot of times with, with a 22 of that stature, you know, you're trying to use 
more solid bullets to hold together because it's not like a rimfire 22. Right. You know, these bullets are longer, they're heavier. And I, I think in a lot of cases, that doesn't lead to the amount of trauma that you're looking for out of something like a 223. I was yeah. just going to ask what bullets you were shooting. If you remember if those were full metal jackets or, or if those were expanding bullets. I was running a, um, I think I was running an FMJ on that, but mm-hmm. I've had that happen. I've run the uh, 53 grain, uh, what is that, Superformance? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. And it's pretty flat. It's it's a, cooking, you know, a little faster. And I've run into the same issues, just, really? you know, runners <laughs> okay. and just not not yeah. not how I like to do things personally. You ever use a 22250? Um, I actually, I actually just kind of ended up with one in a trade and I was going <laughs> to yeah. kind of endeavor on it, but I, there again, I, you know, I haven't got around to that. Yeah. yeah. It's, okay. I don't know that it's the best thing. I've, I've heard mixed reviews on that, honestly. Okay. It's, it, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, again, when you look at the lower 48 hunters, yeah. you know, and everybody ra- rants and raves about the 22250 and I had one for a time and yeah. it, I, didn't have it long enough to actually shoot anything with it. I took it out on a couple sets and, and mm-hmm. didn't, didn't end up seeing anything in the, either of those. And then I ended up trading it for a, a bigger rifle for a different purpose. <laughs> I, I have a problem with that. But, uh, Same. Yeah. But the reports I've heard up here is that with the smaller animals, it just cuts them in half. And, yeah. and there's really, with that amount of velocity in that kind of a bullet, it's mm-hmm. just... Fox and Lynx, there's just, there's no like safe avenue to go. I, I think if you're hand loading and you want to get a little more steam, mm-hmm. you can run a 55 grain FMJ and a mm-hmm. 22 250. And then you got to have a barrel to twist that supports that. And you start getting into all kinds of wacky. And, right. And, yeah. That's, like, what, that, that's well, what my dad started out with was a 22 250. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but hit, part of his issue with it was it was a big varmint barreled Remington 700. With a heavy, you know, wide forend stock. Yeah. And uh, now he shot a pile of fur with that gun. I mm-hmm. mean, he still shoots it every once in a while. But I mean, Fox, it just tears them apart. Yeah. I mean, huge holes. And the, the one I had was the, uh, it was the Bergara B14 okay. HMR Pro. Okay. And so it was a monster of a rifle. Yeah, I mean, same thing. It was heavy. a big yeah. bull barrel. I yeah. mean, the thing weighed more than my 300 Win Mac does. Yeah. And it's a, it was extremely accurate and extremely comfortable to shoot. Yeah. And the, the Bergara's, the newer ones are actually coming out with the, the tighter twist rates for heavier yeah. bullets. And oh, so okay. the older ones, you're typically going to find like the one in 12, one in 14. That's meant for like the 35 grain bullets yeah. that are zinging out there at like, and, and that's what second. that Ruger is that I have, and that's yeah. what kind of stalled me up on running those fifty-five grainers. Yeah, but yeah. The the Bergara that I had came with a one and nine twist, and I know Tika's making one that has a one and eight twist. Oh, really? Yeah, and so you can really start to stabilize some of those. Uh, I think I was shooting. I want to say they were sixty grain partitions out okay. of mine. Just I happened to find a bunch of boxes of those, and they were only the only twenty-two two fifty, and. They were amazing. I mean, I was shooting sub away all day. And wow. the you can hand load up to, they, they have 75 grainers, yeah. 77 grainers, yeah. and, and things like that. Yeah. I mean, heck, these days they have even even heavier ones than that that you can load wow. into 22s. But, wow. but uh, you know, it just, if you loading bullets that big, you're going to slow it down a skosh. Right. So the debate I was having in my head was if you slowed it down, with that heavier bullet, 
yeah. would that be better on fur? And I just, right. I never actually, I, I didn't have the rifle long enough mm-hmm. to test that theory. The other thing but, too is you start kind of like taking away from what the cartridge was initially intended for. Right, right? You start, exactly. You start kind of right. going back to reinventing well, the wheel. And, well, I know my dad has downloaded his 22 250 with some hand loads and he's had a lot better results with that as well. Mm-hmm. So if you have the time and the ability to do that and kind of experiment with that, right. then that might be a good option. So one point, that kind of comes to mind is uh if you're you know if you're out like on a winter caribou hunt mm-hmm. and you want to run something that might kind of you know cover the gamut uh you you do have to keep in mind that those 17 calories are not legal mm-hmm. for right. big game yep center fire only um yeah. that 204 is not legal it's 22 center fire or greater is what the oh, regs yeah. read okay it's so and that's something too i've been kind of looking for something in that sweet spot where i can run a 22 caliber bullet mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. if i come across a wolf or whatever i you know i'm gunned up for you know a yeah. couple different occasions and, right. and you just can't that's that goes back to that thing you're not gonna it's hard to find one gun for everything right yeah. mm-hmm. and I've seen some pretty impressive results, even with white-tailed deer in the lower 48 mm-hmm. uh, on, on the 22-250 note. Um, guys seem to love that for deer. Oh, yeah. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really exit ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just grenades inside of it. And if you keep it in the ribs, then you're not yeah. losing much meat, if any. Yep. And, uh, but they're also, you know, if, if they have a coyote run across their stand, that's dead meat, too. So. Yeah. I mean, not edible meat by any means, <laughs> unless you're, I'd, yeah. I'd be willing to try it. Depends on where you're at, I guess. Yeah. Right. Um, the, the hard thing is that there's such a size difference between these animals, you know, yeah. I mean, you've got fox that are just absolutely tiny, Yeah. you know, and then coyotes are around here. What? 25 pounds. Uh, yeah. 30, 30 pounds. Get them 30, 35. I've shot them in the 40 range. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think my dad and my uncle shot a couple that were over 40 over the years, but not very many in that yeah. big range. And then That's, like from there, you jump right up to wolf. Right. Which is, you know, 130, 140 pounds. 130, 140 so, is a huge yeah, wolf. Yeah, that's a monstrous wolf. But 90 I've, I've, to, heard, I've heard even bigger ones than that. Well, yeah. me too, but um, 90 to 120 is kind of your average range yeah. you're looking at. Yeah, for sure. That one I got was 87 pounds, and mm-hmm. I mean, I could have sworn it was 120, you know. Yeah. And yeah. It was still yeah. just a tank. Well, yeah. I, I, on that note, a lot of people, it just on the weight topic a lot of people in the lower 48 like to gauge things off of weight whether it's predators or even bears Mm -hmm. and that bothers me because people in alaska that are transplants from the lower 48 come up here and they shoot a five and a half foot black bear and they'll swear up and down that that all oh, that bear was 300 pounds and mm-hmm. he was so stocky no man he was all hair yeah he looked big <laughs> but i i guarantee you the average black bear in the interior of alaska is average 150 to 225 yep. pounds mm-hmm. yeah and a 250 pound bear is an absolute slob of yeah hair. I, I think they even say that in the reg yeah, somewhere it's but, like it's around 200 but pounds people and, and then the brown bear thing Mm-hmm. People love to ask, well, how how much do a does a brown bear weigh? And and you know, some outfitters love to throw numbers out there. Just twenty five hundred pounds. No, yeah. no, not necessarily that extravagant. <laughs> but I, I've I've definitely heard numbers. Oh yeah, seventeen, eighteen hundred pounds. Like, that's got, nuts. Are you high? You yeah. know that that's just <laughs> nonsense. I mean, a monstrous brown bear 
would be 1,100 pounds. Mm-hmm. And that's a fall bear after he's been eating fish mm-hmm. for a month and a half. Yeah. Your average spring, even a 10-foot brown bear, is not going to weigh 1,000 pounds. Yeah. No. One thing yeah, I was talking to Dalton about earlier when we were on the break is uh, you, I've seen fox soak a lot of lead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know some guys are like, huh? But I mean, and I, several of us have seen it. And um, one of my really good Cullen buddies that I said we hunt a lot, he, uh, he's a biologist and, you know, they're he knows quite a bit about this this kind of stuff and i was asking mm-hmm. i said what do you make of that and he goes well fox are pretty dense he are goes they? when okay. you th- when you think about it he goes you know a fox is um a third of the size of a coyote and half the weight you know yeah, in well, some cases yeah. <laughs> interesting okay. and, and i thought that yeah. was an interesting perspective yeah. because yeah. Y- 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 mm-hmm. you think you know they're pretty docile but right. they they can soak lead yeah and you know that goes back to that like ground deception right yeah. is yeah. You, you like you walk up to a lynx that's just this big old tom with a giant noggin and you go to pick it up and there's nothing there yeah <laughs> it's all right. it's all fur and bones and right. they're built that way to they're built that way to, you know, traverse through that deep snow and stay on top and, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. I think that's coyotes. Well, and just to that note about cats, I've, I've got a good friend of mine that's killed a couple of lynx with a 22 Magnum. And the last one he shot was at 110 yards with that 40 grain um, lead soft point bullet and just hammers them. I oh, mean, yeah. It just puts them right down. Yeah. No flinching, no flopping. Um, the, the, the last links that I was a part of, uh, on, on that kill, uh, someone that was with me shot it, it came out on his side and, uh, he was shooting the same gun that I had shot at that time, which is a 243 with an 80 grain, uh, discontinued Hornady full metal jacket and, uh, that he had hand loaded. And I, I have hand loads for that as well, mm-hmm. uh, that, that slow it down a little bit, but then you've got a little bit more frontal diameter, a little bit bigger bullet, yeah. just going a little bit slower but it's it's a little more capable if you get a wolf that comes in on a set yeah. where you're not maybe expecting it, but it doesn't tear up the fox and lynx and coyotes nearly as bad as, as it would like if you were shooting a 95 grain expanding 243 mm-hmm. bullet at full velocity. Yeah. Uh, but that, I mean, that, that lynx that, that came in on that set, he shot it and just absolutely clobbered it and it, it just went straight down. Yeah. They go down pretty, they yeah. go down pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's usually one and done. The only lynx that, that story that I know of, um, that, uh, that gave any issues with being shot and not wanting to go down actually was my dad. And I, I, I believe it got away from him. He, I think he was shooting a 22 Magnum and it was, I think it was out past 150, and it was one of those situations where he was done calling, and he got up to leave, and he turned around and saw it, Yeah, yeah. and he just made a quick offhand shot, didn't quite realize how far it was, and he blood trailed it for a long ways and never could quite catch up to it. I I think he might have bumped it once. But he, I, I don't think he got that one. Mm. And then he's had issues with the 17 HMR. I know a lot of guys got on that bandwagon pretty quick. I don't know how much experience you have with it, but like Fox. Minimal. I mean, Fox and Lynx inside <clears throat> 80 yards, it seems to be dynamite. I think it's great for that application. Yeah. But um, once you get out towards 100 yards or more, it just loses that steam pretty quick. It it does. It's super light. Um. It just doesn't carry energy. You right. Know? Yeah. Uh, 
so I'm really big on running light bullets. Like mm-hmm. even at 22 mag, like I get my, my buddy that I hunt with a lot, he runs the 40 grainers right. and I love running that 30 grain, Yeah, you know, and yeah. it's, you get a little, a little more flatness, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But that, that 17, I've, I've seen Fox soak that 17 too. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And yeah. It, but it's not to discredit it i mean it's still a good it's still a good tool but i you need yeah. to know its limits yeah. you know there's i've heard guys say oh you can shoot coyotes with a 17 hmr at 150 and that's uh, just not my ideal and like well in the 17 wsm is one thing you know that's well, that's a, a screamer coming talk out of about there. the yeah. difference between those two so folks know so the hmr is the the smaller it's not the smallest 17 but it's one of the smaller ones and i, I don't have the the anything pulled up right now on the on the backstory of it but it's a it, the, unless you do yeah there's a you got the mock 17 yeah which yep. is the it's basically the neck down version of like a 22 long rifle right okay yep and and then you jump up into the i believe the next step up is like the 17 hmr which mm-hmm. is a neck down 22 mag case okay yeah so yeah and uh so with that it's it's a good cartridge for up close if, if you're going to be within like 50 yards or something like so that. What, but your weight is going to be, you know, typically down in the 15 to 20 grain range is at, what you're going to find in factory ammo velocity? for that. Ah, I think man. it's like 26. It's not fast. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's pretty slow. It's, okay. it's about the 17's equivalent mm-hmm. of a 22 LR, you know. And so the 17 WSM is the one I've really focused on because mm-hmm. that one it's actually a pretty fascinating the cartridge itself is a 27 caliber blank cartridge that they use that they use in power actuated nail yeah. guns for a job site oh. and somebody at some point decided let's neck that thing down and throw a 17 caliber bullet in it's it pretty and slick <laughs> it, it works phenomenal and it has great great so, ballistics for what it's intended for so there's another 17 the 17 remington oh the fireball uh i think they're, yeah. just, they're the same thing. Yeah. 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 And okay. uh, that one, that one, you talk about moving. Yeah. It's well over 4,000. Well, and yeah. when you get up into that, because I believe the 17 Remington is a, is a center fire, I want to say. I believe and so. so. There's several well, center fire one, 17s. Yeah. You, once you get into the center fires, man, they get screaming. You've got the 17 Hornet that's just absolutely yeah, moving. The fireball. Yeah. The that's fireball. Another, another good one. Yep. I've looked at that too. Yeah. But the, the rim fires, I, I like them for the rim fires. And, I don't know, but those, yeah, those, those center fire ones, that's, that's kind of the thing. There's so many different options and mm-hmm. so many different opinions on what works and what doesn't. So back in the day, my grandpa, when he lived in California before they moved up here in the late seventies, um, he was doing some predator calling in Southern California out in the desert there. And he would call in bobcats and coyotes and whatnot. And he shot a wildcat 17 for a while. Mm-hmm. I think it was a seven it, correct me if i'm wrong what does it sound right it, it, i think it was a 17 223 yeah so it's a 223 case neck down yeah. to 17 caliber I, I believe that's what and it was i'm actually he, wanting to build one he shot well i yeah but my, my family has that old rifle and uh yeah and anyway but he he shot that for bobcats and coyotes yeah. down there that, that's <laughs> that's an electric performer so on that yeah. note um you know, a lot of rimfire cartridges are very finicky in the cold. That's one thing I've mm. learned. Extremely mm-hmm. finicky. That's another thing, I guess, to highlight. So why is that? 
you know, I, you would probably have better insight to that than I do. Um, it, the, I don't know if it's the, the primer system. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if, I, I don't know if it's a QC thing. The, the only thing I can think is it would be either the primer system with being a rim fire. Yeah. Um, maybe it doesn't ignite as hot in the cold. Yep. But the other thing could be that the powder they use could be very temperature sensitive. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah. so w- w- something I've had in mind is, um, is going to the 17223 mm-hmm. and loading it with Varget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then bringing it maybe just a skosh over the 17 WSM speeds, mm-hmm. like maybe yeah. up in the 35 range, because that, that's pushing 3,000 feet per second. If you chrono that in the cold, you'll get more like 28, 29. Oh, really? That's, oh, that's wow. in my rifle anyway. Okay. That's a pretty significant difference. You, you get down into like five below and they start slowing down. And <laughs> I, wow. I, you know, I don't know the ins and outs of that. I have a lot okay. of theories, but yeah. w- one way around that, that I've, I've thought of is, is doing a 17, two, two, three yeah. and running some, some temp stable powder in there and, yeah. you know, a little more QC and, yeah. And then you can kind of refine that to to application, right? Yeah. So, right, yeah. yeah. It, and then uh, I know some guys are doing the uh, seventeen two hundred four. Oh, are they really? <laughs> yeah. So Man. I so Whoa. I guess when you're starting to, <laughs> and you, there again, you probably have some better insight on this, Dalton. But like uh, when you neck that down mm-hmm. from t- from twenty two cal mm-hmm. to seventeen, you put a lot of strain on that brass. Yeah. yeah. So there's. A couple steps. So I think they sell a 19223 die, resizing mm-hmm. die, so that you can segment that, yeah. right? So yeah. that it, you're not doing that all in one swoop. And right. then there's a kneeling because you've put that brass yeah. under so much pressure. Right. Um, right. So a lot of guys, they'll run that. You have a little more case capacity in that 204. Um, and it's already on its way to that 17, right? right so it's, right. it's a lot it's a closer less, than that 22. Less yeah. steps, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. right. Yeah. So uh, with the rimfire, having problems in the cold, um, I used to shoot squirrels and did, I shot hundreds and hundreds, thousands of rounds of 22 long rifle out of pistols and rifles as a kid. And uh, I remember, you know, and it never even occurred to me that the cold was the issue. I just thought it was quality control. While mm-hmm. why random, just it seemed like totally random rounds from, and I, it was just, you know, it was cheap boxes of 500 or whatever that I was shooting. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah. there's no, yeah, the bulk ammo. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, it'd be random rounds just wouldn't, they just wouldn't go off. And, um, you know, and I actually have a, uh, one really old revolver that, uh, is direct the firing pins on the hammer. It just direct fire to the, you know, very yeah. old, not safe. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but that one, I would actually, I would cycle it. Like I would fire through it and it would miss fire all the time yeah and i would just cycle Mm. through it again and and then go off and i i wonder actually one one other thing with the cold is uh steel can be or or not steel metal can be more dense and if the brass is just just a little bit harder Mm. in the Mm. cold yeah that's possible could be if it's a little bit so it would take a little more a little harder hit or compression so especially in like a uh, you know a a rifle like like say um a ruger 1022 Mm -hmm. where you don't necessarily have a hard hit from the firing pin in those it could the cold the the denser metal may cause that problem. Right. Mm. Yeah. That's a that's a good point. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, an, another good point to bring up is make sure. And I see this so often. Mm-hmm. Guys go out. They buy a rifle. They set it all up. It's a tack driver. They do it at seventy degrees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. Beginning of August, and they run out Christmas morning 
and that <laughs> thing's all over the map, right? Yeah, so yeah. make sure that you zero in the conditions you're going to be hunting in. And it's, yeah. you know, it's, that's yeah. the whole thing. These critters are few and far between. So if you're going to go through all the work to call one in, go right. through the work right. to make sure your stuff's dialed in. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. You know, yeah. and that's uh, a great point. It's, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and just, and the other thing too is if you're going to, there's going to be big temp swings that you're working in or mm-hmm. elevation changes, go ahead and make sure you dial that up to where you're right. going to be. Right. If you're going to go, if you're going to go climb in elevation, pull off somewhere and range out a hundred yards and verify because I right. mean, that's a bummer. I, ask me yeah. how I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, honestly, that's true of any, any cartridge. I mean, if you're coming in from. I think at Fairbanks, we're at 400 feet above sea level. Yeah, yeah, and right about there. Yeah, j- I think it's just over, but we'll just say 400. And then you go up into the the White Mountains mm-hmm. and you're up in 2,500 mm-hmm. feet, I, I think is what it is, Yeah, at some of the road, road areas there. I mean, the difference in how conditions can affect your your bullet as it flies through the air right. is is amazing. Well, a lot and of it is just working the numbers and figuring up dope for different temperatures and different mm-hmm. elevations. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and you can figure all that out. Keep a keep a chart specifically for that and, mm-hmm. and just utilize that when it comes down to it. Yeah. Now I want to jump off the smaller ones for a second. And you had mentioned the 243 Dalton. And, right. But you have recently started using the six arc. Yeah. And, uh, tell us a little bit about that. And uh, if you, have I you had a chance to shoot anything I, with it I've yet, been shooting. No, I haven't. I've, no, been, okay. I've been tinkering with it a little, and I'm still kind of refining it a little yeah. bit. And it's, I'm going working the bugs out. So, yeah. 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 yeah I know. I know, Mo, you've been looking to get one of those. I have been. And so yeah. I was, I was uh, bugging his ear about all kinds of questions about it yeah. before the show. <laughs> I, I think I probably, probably about the same level of knowledge you are on it at this point. It's, <laughs> just go spend time shooting it. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, yeah. I haven't shot one yet. It's a, it's an interesting looking uh, cartridge because it's got a really short fat case with a really long bullet. Mm. Um, and so it's got kind of a distinct difference from, from a lot of other ones. And it looks like a six, five Grendel basically, which I think it's the same case, right? Yeah, just it's, neck down. Yep. It's just, yep. It's based off the six, five, um, just neck down to six millimeter. Right. Nice. Uh, and, and I think it's got a steep, little steeper shoulder. If I remember it right. Might, yeah. And, yeah. I know there's a lot of guys that collect six, five Grendel brass specifically to neck down for their mm-hmm. six millimeter arc. Cause when it first came out, it was, the ammo was readily available and it seems to be supply seems to be dwindling quickly. Yeah. Or demand is just going. Yeah, when I first started looking into it several months ago, it was widely available on the internet. And oh, now, okay. and now yeah. it's not. Yeah, so, it's all the rave uh, right now. Right, for sure. Yeah. yeah. All right, folks. We all know that one of the most common mishaps in hunting is damage to your rifle scope. Last year, I found the solution to that problem with the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. It wraps around your scope and action securely to protect it from getting knocked off of zero or even severely damaged. Stealthy Hunter also has a glassing pad and a wide variety of supplements for the outdoorsman, such as protein powder, CBD products, turmeric, and gut health supplements. They also make a lightweight trauma kit weighing in at just 14 ounces that includes everything you need and nothing you don't for all of your backcountry medical emergencies. To shop all of their equipment and supplements, go to stealthyhunter.com and enter the discount code at checkout, The Northern Hunter, to save on your order today. All Stealthy Hunter equipment is proudly made in the USA.
glass? Yes, absolutely. Yes. I heard you mention it one time, Dalton, and I'm a big Leopold guy, as I'm sure yeah. you've figured by now. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, I think you said one time on an episode, uh, the best warranty you'll never need. Right. And yep. I am, you know, I love Leopold for, for yeah. this stuff. It seems to be, yeah. I've gone through a lot of different scopes, trial and error. Yeah. And Leopold seems to just make the mm -hmm. best applications mm -hmm. or, you know, best scopes for the application. Being so, out in the cold. And like we mentioned earlier with your rifle maintenance yeah, and, and your steel care on your gun, that's a great test for your glass as well. Because when you go hot, cold, hot, cold, it condenses. Mm -hmm. And if you have a rifle scope with faulty seals, mm -hmm. you'll get condensation inside your supposedly sealed tube <laughs> and a lot of guys talk about oh yeah my scope fogs up in the cold but other than that it's been solid okay well that's not solid no, right because yeah. if you dip that baby in the water it's going to take on some drops i have a window know? in my house that all winter long has had a permanent haze in parts of it from condensation because yeah. it's not the panes aren't sealed like they're supposed to be right mm -hmm. right but yeah the loophole i i have used loophole um, I started out with an old Redfield scope, uh, Predator Calling, and it worked great. It didn't have any issues. I ran the one a full I field now? for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And uh, but but Redfields are made in the same factory as the loopholes are. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, as far as glass goes, I mean, we, we've like you mentioned, we've hit on that before. But a lot of guys love to just run into Sportsman's Warehouse or Cabela's or Bass Pro, and uh, they they look for the the most affordable option. And while loophole does have the VX freedom line, which is very affordable mm. and I've had no issues with, I I've had a couple of them through the years on smaller rifles like that. I never had an issue with them, but you know, I, I, we're just going to go ahead and say it. Vortex does a great job of marketing a lot of different models of scopes mm. And they have a great VIP program for store employees. Yeah. Where, you know, they, they get incentive for selling Vortex products. And they <laughs> they yeah. earn points to get free stuff. And so the salesmen, a lot of times, are trying to push that brand. And I have had a couple different Vortex scopes of high end on their production line mm -hmm. completely fail and it's always been the seals it's not been the dials it's not been the mm -hmm. the clarity necessarily um it's it, it's been the seals that it, that have failed and i've gotten water in a couple different scopes and it, just condensation on the inside of the lens we're not talking about the exterior surface right yeah that's going to happen if you breathe on it and it's cold out mm -hmm. that, that that's just exterior moisture that that's just on the surface mm -hmm. but we're talking yeah. about the uh argon or nitrogen purged mm -hmm. sealed tube inside the glass housing right and that is not supposed to have moisture in it ever no and if it because, does then you need to be looking at your warranty program yeah because once that moisture gets in there it just right. wreaks havoc oh yeah everything in there yeah absolutely did, did yeah, the warranty work as advertised it did, and okay, then good. when I got the new you one in the them? mail, I sold them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even take them out of the box. I just yeah. put it on Alaska's list and brand new in the box, and I sold it for half the price that I paid for it happily. Yeah, I had a couple buddies go go the Vortex route, and I I did my homework, and I'm like, I want to wait and see what happens with you guys, and yeah, they all went back. 
I got yeah, a buddy wow. that's got the, th- I think his is on the third go round you know, <laughs> oh, with, with a warranty. My and, goodness. I well, mean, <laughs> Leopold is, is awesome. I had a friend's buddy mm-hmm. drop one of my predator rifles mm-hmm. on the asphalt or a friend's buddy's young daughter dropped oh. my rifle right on the ground. She said, can I look yeah. at that? And I pulled the <laughs> bolt and he's like, I wouldn't do that. And she dropped it right on the ground and I went, okay. So I call Leopold and I go, Hey, this is kind of my deal. You know, I, I let a kid handle this thing and he, Oh yeah, cool. You know? And I said, yeah, she dropped it and it's, it's jacked up. And he goes, well, that's cool that you're letting her do that. And let me see what we can do here. And I think I had that scope back in three days of sending it. What? And then, (laughs) and I, and it was outdated and he goes, uh, I don't, we don't have that one anymore, but I'll give you one that's of greater value. Nice. I hope they don't mind me saying that if they hear this, but I mean, I I was like, I was shocked. I mean, it was almost a blessing that she, she dropped that thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's and that's kind of a, a thing that a lot of people don't realize is most of these these optics companies hold a very similar, if not exactly the same, warranty that Vortex does. Mm-hmm. I know guys that use all kinds of different scopes, and every couple few years they'll actually take them off their rifles and send them in and get them checked out and make sure that they're good because yeah. the warranty covers that. You can yeah. literally send it back to the manufacturer, yeah. have them make sure everything's okay, and then yeah. they send it back to you saying, "Yep." Looks yep. good. You haven't broken anything. Yeah. You throw it back on your rifle. You just throw three or three to five rounds to re-zero and you're good to go. Yeah. And people don't realize that because Vortex advertises their their yeah. warranty right. so much. And yeah. I just don't think that should be the point the, the, yeah. the point you're advertising with your <laughs> if you have to advertise it or replace it for free and make that your selling point, then um I'm a little concerned about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That should be a red flag, I got in my a, opinion. I got but, a buddy but, that's just so anti-vortex, and he's like, yeah, you'll be using that warranty. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, no, that's, yeah, there, there's nothing wrong. I, does, I got Leopold's on everything now, and it's, I mean, yeah. they are just right. rock solid, and yeah. I, I put them through the ringer. You know? Yeah, I think the majority of my rifles right now have loopholes. I, I, have, I have one Leica right now that I've been mm-hmm. really, really impressed with. It's a three to eighteen Amplus six I. It's a really good scope. It's got a six power zoom ratio. It's so it's a three to eighteen, which is like the equivalent to a VX six. That's what I put mm-hmm. on that six arc that I got is a VX six yeah. fire dot. And yeah. it's yeah. it's yeah. awesome. And and the Leica has an illuminated reticle, has some hash lines in it. I, that's the scope that I used in Southeast on uh, on my deer rifle last year, and I had great results with it. It's it's great glass. But again, mm-hmm. same uh, almost the same warranty. And even if they charged me a hundred bucks to send it back and, and get it resealed, I would happily do it mm-hmm. right. because it's a better product. Yeah. And that would only ever happen if I absolutely beat the crap out of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we've told stories on what those scopes go through here. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know I mean, I mean y- y- your, your go-to brands need to be Leupold, Night Force, Leica, Swarovski, mm-hmm. Zeiss. Zeiss and, is great. Know, glass is not a place to skimp on quality. Right. No. Yeah. No, yeah. that's... I was say I thought you were going to say you dropped the rifle got dropped on the asphalt and you picked it up and it still held zero and was great. No, and you know I've I've yeah <laughs> I've done that too. I've yeah. done that too. Yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. I've got some that they look bad but they're not warrantable. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it, I mean it was pretty banged up, but mm-hmm. it was a good drop and it was on a heavy bull barrel rifle okay. and yeah. so yeah. I mean it, it was it was definitely out of commission. But mm-hmm. it, I mean it was swift. I sent that thing in. Wow. And the guy's like, you got any plans? And I'm like, oh, this guy's just talking to me. He doesn't really care. I mean, he's like, I'm going to get this thing back to you right away. 
Wow. I mean, it, yeah. That's that, awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. Kudos to them. I, yeah. But yeah, they're awesome. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. But, yeah. 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 Not not to become a, a, a bashing fest. But no, it's, it's, but quality <laughs> is quality. And it is. Yeah. We don't recommend subpar products. So yep. that's right. That's, that's that. Yeah. I and know, you know, even their lower end line, Leopold's lower end line oh, yeah. is just awesome yeah. for to put on a Predator rifle yeah. or, you know. Uh, the VX Freedom is a great lineup of scopes. And mm-hmm. you can get the VX Freedoms as cheap as 300 bucks. Oh, yeah. You know, yep. that, that's that's a great option. And, and it's the, good glass. Yeah, it is. It's awesome. And then the VX3 HD, you know, you, that that's in the $500 range, sometimes mm-hmm. in the four to fi- four to 450 then the VX5 is the next one that's up closer from 850 to 1000 and the VX6 is over that $1000 mark. Oh, but, sometimes you know, well over that 1000. Yeah. <laughs> there's something for everybody there though yeah. and you, you don't have to go to a different company to get a better price and that, right. that's that's what's great about that then, too. Yeah. Another thing I've I've noticed too with the Leopolds is that the glass quality is so good in the light transmission. Yes. So when I started mm. predator hunting and kind of going through my going through my trial and error of running different, you know, different glass. Right. I always had the mindset, oh, I have to have this huge front objective to gather as much light as possible. Yeah. In yep. with a good scope, you don't need to have these giant front objectives. Yeah. I mean, you can keep it. A, I mean, a forty-four is pushing it on a like a. VX6. Yeah. You know. uh, yeah. A, a big difference there is the coatings that these different companies yeah, use. You know, right. the, the glass primarily, the actual physical glass is made in almost the same place. I know there's yeah. there's a couple factories around the world, but for the most part, there's they're coming from the same place. The big difference is that each manufacturer has its own proprietary coatings that they put on the glass, mm-hmm. which is what, you know, protects right. it from fog, right. protects it, you know, kind of aids in that light transmission and, right. and just does it helps with the uh, the anti-glare yeah. is a big one too. You right. know, certain coatings are better for anti-glare if you end up, especially in, in the wintertime up here when the sun mm-hmm. is so low on the horizon, yeah. you know, yeah. if you end up facing the wrong direction for whatever reason, that can be a big factor. You, you yeah. look through your scope and all you see is is bright white lines coming through it and that's yeah. never a good thing. Yeah. So stick, sticking with the, the quality optics that shoot or that... Uh, put those kind of coatings on there i mean it's 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 yeah. night and day difference almost yeah. literally yeah you it know, is. It's, yeah absolutely so absolutely well i think so, we've hit yeah. on a lot of different things but do we, we have, have do, do, do we know what time we're at is this, we is this have been going one? for two minutes and 30 or two hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i'm tired it's the longest two, two minutes, minutes of my life <laughs> two hours and uh 33 minutes so we're not nice. quite to our longest episode yet but we're we're gonna probably beat it unless right. we get out of here yeah. quick well, I just wanted to cover two things. Um, we've, we've covered a lot of different topics here as far yeah. as like cartridges and, and yeah. whatnot. But what are... Um, oh, go if, if you don't mind. So another thing too is, and this goes for a lot of different hunting applications, when, mm-hmm. when you're setting up, try to set up with the sun at your back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If yeah. you're going to be going for canines, carry some kind of wind reading device. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. Play the wind. I, for a long time, I... I didn't think that mattered. And I had Yo. a buddy correct me on that. Who's he's, he's good. And he was like, if you change this, you're going to see your success rate go through the roof. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And mm-hmm. getting, you know, getting my spirit beat out of me a couple of times. I'm like, all right, I'm going to try this win thing. <laughs> and it is, it's crucial it's night and day. Yeah. yeah. And setting up with the sun at your back. If you're, if you're passing a spot you want to hit, 
Mm-hmm. And that sun's going to be coming in, you know, head on. Yeah. Maybe wait till the end of the day to hit that spot and come back when that sun's low and at your back, you know, yep, and, yep. and, and it's kind of plan that, you know? Yeah. And that's another thing. If you're starting on one end of a, say you're starting on a, you're down in a valley or something mm-hmm. and you're going to hit a few different spots, read the wind. Cause you don't want to start upwind. Right. And yeah, that's a and big one. The valley out. Yep. And you, and people don't realize that you go four or five miles down a valley and it's smoked. It's, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. you, it was over before it was done on the first stand. So yeah. use yeah. the wind um, start, start it, you know, wherever it's heading, Yeah, work that wind and work your way up and think Mm -hmm. that way. And even if you're going for cats or whatever, something that's a little less sensitive to scent, Mm -hmm. don't, don't blow it. Cause you never know what's going to happen. I mean, it's right. That's the fun of it too. You never know what's going to show up. That's, that's, what's just so enjoyable about predator calling. And and that's easy enough to do for people that don't know. I mean, they sell these little bottles of powder and, mm-hmm. and I forget exactly there's several different brands Windicator and I yeah. was going to say I was, was going to say Windicator but I think Windicator is actually a device an electronic device you can use I want to say I, is it really I, I want to okay. say really? I'm, I'm not 100% sure because I call it a Windicator but I've been that's told, what I've always I've, called I, yeah, it yeah, yeah. That's, I, like I, I've, I've been told that's incorrect I, I just might never just actually, be wrong it, it, I never actually cared enough to look into it, it is it so. like a Crestel Kind of, yeah, yeah, is what I was told. It's kind of like a crystal. So, okay. but but it's just a little little bottle of powder that's literally like baby powder or yeah. anything oh, of that nature. Yeah. And you can just when you get to your spot, you just take it out. I keep it right in my bino harness, and you yeah. can just shake it up, give it a quick shake to loosen the powder up. Yep, give it a squeeze, and you can instantly see which direction the wind is going. And they sell that smoke in a bottle, and yeah, yeah that's one. Yeah. Another yeah. thing I'll do sometimes too is I'll pick up a handful of fluffy snow. Yeah. And you don't want to do this everywhere because you're not trying to make cause a scene, right? But yeah. throw some snow up in the air, some mm-hmm. light snow, and just yeah. kind of watch where that stuff goes. Yeah. And if you don't have anything or you need to do something in a GIF, another thing, if you're going to pull a spot and stock on something mm-hmm. and you got, you're out of sight and you can pull that off, throw a couple of handfuls of snow up and read that wind and yeah. figure out how you want to go in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Y- you know, it's almost perfect because uh, the exact thing I was leading into was uh, what recommendations you had for new predator hunters. So it's almost like you've read my mind there. <laughs> you know, and, and those are all great points, you know. And so. Um, something I forgot to mention is, you know, they make all these seats now. They have all these predator hunting mm. seats. It's actually my, so I've like always, I've always tried to tough this out. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't need that. It's one more piece of gear. <laughs> Get something to sit on so that you can sit longer yeah you know it's it's you get you pull one stand and you don't have something that's separating you from the ground and you're <laughs> soaked for the rest of the day you are and my my the way i used to mitigate that is oh i'll change out halfway through the day and you're 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 moving more when you're cold you're mm-hmm. moving more when you're uncomfortable get get a seat they have uh these seats that double as packs yeah, mm-hmm. I, I was yeah. actually just going to recommend through <laughs> yeah. our sponsor, Stealthy Hunter. You can buy on Ryan Lamper's website at stealthyhunter.com mm-hmm. the glassing pad. And it's just a foam seat pad that's about that long, or that, yeah, that long, about that wide. And Mo and I used one on, a, on our last predator calling trip, and it works awesome yeah oh yeah yeah real lightweight and quiet to sit on. It's, it's a good product, yeah, because it's again, you know, it, it's like. 
you can have even these these snow pants that advertise being water resistant and things like that but when you're sitting in a snowbank for 45 minutes and it's that thermal layer too like if if you're just sitting in your snow pants even if they are waterproof even if they don't get wet necessarily it's still cold on your rear end yeah sitting on sitting on that little Mm -hmm. foam seat pad yeah. makes a huge difference, monstrous mm-hmm. difference in the cold. I've even had it soak through and get my my uh, long johns wet. Yeah. It's, it's horrible. I mean, it really through is. Through your snow pants. Through my snow yeah. pants. And that's Carhartt bibs. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And Carhartts are great, too. Uh, like those, uh, what are they? The, the standard old brown Carhartts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those yeah. are great. That's a great uh, col- piece of calling clothing. Is it? Yeah. You know, and what you can hang them out in the summer and let mm-hmm. them dole out. I That's, you know. Just sun bleach them. Yep, sun bleach them, and I recommend that with snow camo too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a hard thing to do when you go out and you spend a bunch of top dollar on yeah. good right. snow camo. Yeah. But the first thing I'll do is I'll wash it in baking soda, hang it in the sun, mm. and let the sun go to work on it to get rid of that UV. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Right. interesting. Yep, because that's the other thing. Uh, coyotes, it's said they don't see in color, mm-hmm. but they see in UV. Interesting. So you don't want to put something on trying to conceal, Uh, right? And now you're standing out like a sore thumb. So you want to do as much as you can do to to mitigate that. Well, I learned something new today. Yeah. (laughs) And and I mean, you can get as technical as you want with your clothing. Mm -hmm. I I got a buddy that's an amazing predator caller, and he will take his clothes off at the truck, put them in a tote, and he does this bear baiting too when he's trying to go after Grizz. He's, okay. he's, you know, and he will, he will not drive in his clothes mm. and they stay outside away from exhaust. He's like a whitetail hunter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any experience in that, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, and, and he swears by that. And, you know, like, I think what did he say to me one time? He goes, you know, the last thing you want to do is step out of your truck smelling like Marlboro Reds and Old Spice, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and that's yeah. huge, you know? I mean, <laughs> yeah. don't go heavy on the cologne. And I mean, yeah. that's all those kind of things to consider. And, yeah. yeah. They're a lot more particular than people give them credit for, I guess. Don't hang yeah. your snow camel where the red squirrels are going to tear it apart and turn it into nests, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the other thing because I've been down that road. But <laughs> Well, it's time to do some squirrel hunting then. Yeah. 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 Um, what, but, what, what camo do you use if you're okay disclosing that? So I have a, I have a few different types. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'll split, I'll do like, you know, summer camo on the bottom, like a summer camo pattern. Okay. You guys were talking on an episode and I, I kind of liked the way you guys threw it out there is I'll mix a lot of gear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yep. and if, if say you've got, uh, like about two weeks ago, we still had snow up on the trees, but yeah. you got some, you know, south facing areas where the ground's bare mm, underneath yeah. the trees. Well, yeah. you wear, wear some regular summer camo on yeah. your bottom mm-hmm. half. Yeah. Go snow camo on the top. If you, if that snow comes off those trees, you start noticing you get, we get a good blow or a warm face mm-hmm. and we lose all that snow off the trees wear something different that accommodates mm-hmm. that, that yeah. background. Right. Gotcha. And, and just right. kind of, I keep a big bag of, mm-hmm. of stuff in, in my, in my truck. Tailor, tailor it to your environment. And that's the other yeah. thing. You could drive 20 miles up the road. You might have a good, you, you go up in altitude and you got a nice fresh snow and it's nice and white and bright. You might want to wear like some, you know, um, goose hunters. Mm-hmm. They have that plain yeah. white, yeah. those coveralls and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And 
that's really good. Yeah. Sometimes you don't want a pattern, but you also want to be able to, be able to slip into something else mm-hmm. and, you know, match your surroundings. And yeah. there's yeah. a lot of schools of thought on that. Some guys say it doesn't matter. Some, yeah. I, I think it does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think so too. And I'm the kind of guy, I will take a thousand dollar rifle and rattle can it white. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and with flat white paint and I'll tape everything off that I don't want paint in and I will just absolutely destroy that rifle. With spray paint. <laughs> yeah. And I know that's really hard I've, for some yeah. guys, but I've, like, done, I've done the same thing. Not, not necessarily with thousand dollar rifles, <laughs> yeah. but uh, get but, it yeah. coated, you know, like, <laughs> or, or a, yeah, I mean, you know, they, they do sell, uh, if you're, if you're not the kind of person willing to do that, they do sell wraps that's mm-hmm. self adhesive. So I've it doesn't used. actually have stickies. It's, yeah. uh, it's just, it's stretchable. And as yep. it, it contracts back around itself, it kind of has a Velcro effect I've almost. Done the exact same thing. Yep. That's, yeah. a, I have, I have a couple that are done that way. And, and you just, you yeah. wrap it around. You just, you make sure you at least halfway overlap itself mm-hmm. or overlap on itself. And then yeah. it'll never go anywhere. It's that like works. gauze. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, another thing people do is medical tape. Yeah, yeah. and something and all that stuff is good. Um, I'd pull that off a few times mm-hmm. throughout the season and and treat your gun because that right. stuff holds moisture. Yes, it does. Yeah, and does. I, I've learned that the hard way too with wrapping guns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing, uh, like I, probably everybody here at this table could vouch for this. I see a lot of guys take tape. Yeah. And they'll wrap that mm-hmm. forend of that stock to that barrel. <laughs> and yeah. they'll start cinching that tape down around there. Yeah. And that starts changing the performance of that rifle. It does. Yeah. And I see that is like my pet peeve. I see guys yeah. do that. And I'm like, yep. oh. And the other thing, you're manipulating that stock. Yeah. You're putting it through different temps, different humidity levels. Yes. And you are basically just, you know, yeah. you're you're memory in that material by doing that yeah let that thing free float mm-hmm. tape the stock tape you know the the butt stock leave the forend right ta- run the, the tape down the barrel mm-hmm. and stop at the stop at the forend yeah. don't start tinkering with that free float no yeah, yeah that's a good way to lose all your accuracy immediately yeah. yeah so that's that's a great point to bring up that's yeah, yeah. and then you, if you do have that space between that um stock and that barrel that's a great place to get condensation that never finds its way out to mm. and then it's kind of going to work in concealment just that's, pit rusting you go to pull that thing apart in the summer and you're like oh you you got issues you didn't know you had so yeah yep, yep. you know right <laughs> right uh any gear recommendations for for newcomers uh somebody who's just looking at getting into this i'd say just run what you have mm-hmm. just go go have fun yeah and whatever yeah you know? as far as el- el- like electric calls you like the fox bros better or I, I have a preferred I love brand the fox bros yeah yeah i yeah. do i that, think that's what all of us run that, so, yeah yeah Yep. So I run like some high end calls now, but that Patriot is mm-hmm. absolutely awesome. It's a good yeah. like entry level call, and I've killed tons of stuff with that Patriot. Yeah, and I, th- I want to say, what is that model like? A hundred bucks or something like that? Like it's super cheap. I think it, it might be more than up that, a little bit with yeah. our dollar value these days. But, uh, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> I think I said <laughs> there's no inflation. No, don't you guys don't want me to get going on here? <laughs> Yeah. No, uh, I think I saw. I think I think I saw that unit going for one seventy nine. Okay. At Sportsman's and okay, yeah, one sixty is it? Yeah. One. Another thing too is you'll so. Um, a, a recommendation on sounds is I'd mm. order it directly from Fox Pro. Yep. And have the sounds input on there that you're gonna that are gonna be useful for our environment. Yeah. So you get a lot of 
you get a lot of sounds on there that you're just like, what am I going to do with this? Yeah, and, or it's for it. mm-hmm. maybe like, you know, back where you're from, that would work great. Or right. back where I'm from, that'd be great. But, it, and they have a pretty good sound list that kind of adheres to our, mm-hmm. to our um, species types, you know? Yeah. So I Yeah, mean, for sure. And I want to say, when I ordered my Fox Pro, I want to say it, came loaded with like 250 different sounds That's or something awesome. like that. I mean, varying size or varying species. And the, the cool thing I like about them and I'm sure other, other companies do it as well, but is, uh, you can overlap your sounds. And so you could have a, a predator, a distress call going off at the same time as say Ravens in the background. Yeah. Yeah. And, yep. Or you could even do other coyote yips and yeah. things like mm-hmm. that to, to initiate, some kind of competitive yeah. nature there. So yeah, the overlapping sure. is a really neat Something feature. else you can do too is if you don't have the money to invest in like a, a high dollar unit like that, that's mm-hmm. fine, is incorporate hand calls. Yeah. And and create that, you mm-hmm. know. Um, Take your DeWalt speaker. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah bring your power tools to the yeah yeah <laughs> to the call stand. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you don't need to go out and spend a bunch of money. Um, yep. I, I ran for a long time, you know, on a budget like that, and yeah, and I was I have, successful. I have, uh, the, as far as wolves go, I have had tremendous success just howling with your mouth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I have. Had, I mean, I have tricked more wolves than, <laughs> than not. Uh, I've only ever had a couple that I've seen and I've howled at, and they didn't come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you, at least out of curiosity, you were with me on the one that wouldn't come in that we were really bummed at. Right, we were out looking for bears together. Mo and I were a couple of years ago. I guess probably three or four years ago now. And there was a wolf across a river about a thousand yards away. I had him range, and he was just just lumbering down the riverbed and he was monstrous monstrous wolf probably the biggest one i ever seen live in the field huge dog and i lit off and howled at him and i was all set up prone with my seven mag and i was i thought yeah this sucker's gonna come right in as soon as he hits 700 i'm gonna let him have it you know because i just i wasn't quite confident in a thousand and there's a bunch of reasons why with what I had in, at, for a rifle at that point uh, and what load I was shooting. But anyway, I howled at him. He stopped, looked, and then just kept on going. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Never stopped. He just didn't care. Nope. Did not matter. Yeah. He was the biggest dog in the valley. And maybe I sounded like a girl. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, but this last fall, I, I called in a couple this last fall. Um, and then I've called on a couple that I've shot and mm-hmm. then Mo and I have called in, uh, I, well, when I was with you, when, when Mo shot his last one, oh, there was, right. a, there was yep. a whole pack there. And right after he killed his, we drug it out of the clearing. And I said, man, there's gotta be more right in here. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there's gotta be more. Of them. Oh yeah. I started howling and like the whole pack in under 300 yards away, they were all standing there watching us drag his buddy off. Yeah. They were close. And they would respond, and I, I probably had them responding for over an hour. Oh, yeah. Nonstop, back and forth, back and forth talking. And it got into the later in the morning time, about 1030, and I thought, man, they're going to stop talking at some point. I got to get one to come out. Mm. And then one of them broke away and came in close and responded. I, I could have swore it was under 100 yards. Like he, he came in and just did a little probe and was just checking out. Maybe he saw me. Maybe he smelled me. I don't know. 
but nothing ever stepped out. Mm. But you can definitely get them to talk back with just mouth howling. Yeah, I do that a lot. Like we'll be out caribou hunting. And oh yeah, kinda, you know, yeah, for sure. And you get them; they light up pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, They're pretty vocal. It's I mean, a neat experience. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's really interesting too having a pack howl back at you like that. You can kind of figure out what they're doing in their particular howl, and try to mimic that and just get them riled up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you know certain pitches or certain lengths or maybe a bark and then a short howl and just different things that I have learned to just kind of rile them up and just yeah. Maybe get them to puff out their chest and all right, and we're going to come out here and eat this guy. Yeah, because that's what they'll do. You right. know, if there's yeah. a rival wolf in there that's that, that doesn't belong, and they know that they know you're not one of them. Right, but they don't know that you're not a wolf. They'll come in to kill you. Uh, well, what they think is a wolf. Right. right? <laughs> they'll be at the wrong end of that stick. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, they're though. they're they can be pretty receptive. Yeah, I set up kind of early on. I set up on a spot. I set up on some fox sign mm-hmm. uh-huh. and uh, put the call out 15 yards in front of me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to call a fox in. And yeah. I had a 200 yard zero. Okay. And I was running a two, two, three. And I had this wolf come over, over this bank. I was playing a rabbit call. He came mm-hmm. up over this bank, looked at me like, you're not taking this from me. And ran directly to that coal, and I shot over his back. I was oh. so jittery. I was, oh man! Oh yeah, I was so excited. And then I'm like, "What?" I'm like, "What just happened?" And I, I cranked another one like immediately. Mm. And he bobbed and weaved, and he was gone. He, oh, I mean, yeah. he did an awesome job getting out of there. Yeah. The whole deal was is I, I had that 200 yard zero, and he yeah. was like at 20 yards. Right. And it just, oh, man. you know. Yeah. But, Man, that's rough. Mm. And <laughs> and that's so that kind of thing. Like you just never know what's gonna happen. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. heard some guys tell some crazy stories. Just well, I mean, on that note, it's good if you uh if you're gonna be using a rifle out hunting and uh, you have a hundred or even a two hundred yard zero. Mm-hmm. After you get it zeroed up. Man, bring your target into 20 yards yep. and see what yep. it does. Yep. Yeah. And maybe you'll change from a 200-yard zero to a 100-yard zero just so in case something comes in, yep. you're still locked on at close distance. Yeah, definitely. I, I've got a horror story about that yeah, that I'm not going to tell I, right I, now. I, I, but I, was, <laughs> I was alluding to that well, because I, 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 know, I know you went through that. We're, we're, uh, we're a little late in the episode for that yeah, story, but absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, it's coming. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll hit that again soon and talk yeah. about that. But all right, well, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. Do you have, uh, anything else you, you want to talk about real quick or, um, anything that comes to mind, you know, just make sure you're comfortable, figure out what you're going to go after and just try to try yeah. to tailor whatever yeah. you're going to do to that and be patient and yeah. Yeah. It's it's a process. It, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, don't give up if you don't see anything on your first super trip. Super fun. Oh, that is definitely something I'll bring up. Is um, we had that. When was that heavy snow year? Last last, last year. Last, last winter. year. So um, I've never been big on carrying a sidearm. I'll mm-hmm. carry like a dispatch weapon, like a twenty two or something. So you don't want to take. You don't want to shoot something with a two hundred four at. 300 yards yeah mm-hmm. walk up to it and you got to do a dispatch you know and right. you're and yeah. you pump a 30 grain varmint <laughs> bullet into that thing at five feet right <laughs> right but the other side to that is yes. is i'd never experienced this before last year is moose 
Yeah. Like yeah. do a good shakedown because that's the thing when you're, uh, you know, those moose will hold up on, on established trails and stuff when the snow is oh, deep. Right, but yeah. the other side of that is too, is you're walking in a lot of places you normally wouldn't walk and mm-hmm. you usually have snowshoes on. You're not that mobile. Right. And I had a lot of run-ins with moose last year. Yeah. And it was like the first time that mm-hmm. and carry a side on yeah. and yeah. do a good shakedown. Well, you know, I mean, the last thing you want to do is have to explain to a trooper. Yeah, I was out like blowing yeah. party toys, trying to kill predators, and I shot this moose in self-defense, and he's gonna look at you like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got charged by a cow earlier this year, didn't you? Uh, last year I got oh, was charged by year? a cow. Okay, I, yeah, gotcha. yeah. And so I carried some. I had some bear spray on me. It wasn't far from the house, and I was <laughs> pulling a set, and I ended up bear spraying it because I didn't want to shoot it. I didn't want to have to go through all that paperwork. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, that actually worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't advise that. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the first time I ever heard of somebody using bear spray on a moose, but I, I suppose it would work. I had yeah. been having quite a few problems and I'm, and I'm, you know, I, I'm like, I don't want to burn up all my tokens in one place. So right. yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna, if I have to spray one of these things, I'm going to try that first. And yeah. It worked. Right. It worked. No, that's good information. How, how close did she get before you let her have it? 10 feet. Wow. Yeah. And she was coming full on. Full on. Mm-hmm. And Ears that's back, another, hackles up. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Stomping. That's a scary panic. thing to be in. And I've had that happen more than once, Colin. I mean, that is one, you know, something to consider. Wow. Yeah. And another thing you do, too, is you'll frequent the same spots over and over again, and you'll establish trails. Will those moose come up on those trails to take a break? Yeah. And you go, hey, I'm going to call my favorite spot. You go walking down there, and you get charged. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, that's... Interesting. Yeah. Something to be cognizant of. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, for it's sure. Not that unlikely when you start digging for those experiences yeah. out there. Well, just a short little thing that I'll that I'll add to this. When Mo and I were out, and and we we have disputed this, but I'm sticking with it. We pulled off on the side of the road, and uh, there was a couple of wolf tracks, and they had taken a leak in the snowbank. You know, it was right on the side of the road. And uh, we're kind of overlooking our little sure. spot there. Sure, it was. <laughs> and uh, I looked down in the snow. No, I, I'm positive it was a wolf. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying there. I, I, I might have added to their to their <laughs> pee post. I probably riled them up a little bit. But I looked down in the snow, and there was a bear track in the snow. Yep. Yeah. So have have you ever come across winter bear? We n- no. Um, but we've. We've called bears in, so we've gotten up out of stands in high country trying to call early season fox right when they right when they open. Mm. And we have got we got up one time and we had a black bear eyeing us. And I mean it, that it and that was, was in what month now? Um, that would have been late September. Eh, no, that would have been early October. Okay, mm. yeah, mm. in a, in yeah. a well known area too. And yeah. we actually passed people walking in. And oh, really, <laughs> we got up to go out, and there was a, there was a black bear ins, and I'm like, that thing definitely came into this. Did you clobber it? No, no, not. <laughs> not. I, we were carrying 22 max. So. Ah. Well, that's we just wanted to get it. We started doing the waving thing, and yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, I've that bear track. I'm. I I know I know he he. It he looked I, like a bear track. It did, but there was one it was a bear track. There's and, a. It was wind blown. It was hard pack, and there mm-hmm. could have been wind blown snow. And the rest of them, I'm sticking with. Could it. Could have been it, a couple wolf 
paw prints just right. No. You, well, I, and you know, there were stories of, of yeah. winter bears being out super late this year. Because so though the, this was bad. a lot more than late, though. Well, no, there was a, there was a lady, I want to say in, I think it was early, yeah. it was in mid to late December yeah. that, that ran into a grizzly while, uh, yeah. while she was out skiing. Winter bears are not unheard of. Yeah, no. I know. And I'm not saying that they're not going to come into a predator call. That, 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 that wasn't even what I was talking about. It was just incidental, just coming across tracks. Mm-hmm. But while you're out there, well, and- I, I I have more than a half dozen stories about other guys that I know that have come across bear tracks in December, January, February. Yeah, I, I so right now, you know, you've kind of got the tail end of the season if you're yeah. trying to call coyotes or wolves. Mm-hmm. And it, it, in my opinion, it is warm enough. Oh yeah, that oh yeah. In, there are bears uh, out in the southern yep. half. And of the I state. have seen I've seen plenty of tracks in March. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I mean like pretty consistently in certain areas and yeah. graze tracks. And so, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of that. I, you got to oh, yeah. pay attention to that. Yeah, I, I would absolutely. carry a sidearm. hundred percent. And for the lower 48 listeners that may not live in bear country, they don't actually sleep all winter. They yeah. are, they their metabolism goes down a lot and their heart rate slows even more. And, and they go into a very efficient mode of living to where they don't have to eat or anything like that they can stay in their dens and stay warm but they're not asleep all the time they do sleep a lot but they're lethargic and they do they will if the sun's shining it's a nice warm day they'll pop their head out Mm -hmm. of their den and just soak up some sunlight while it's warm and then go back in you know and if it gets really warm and the snow's not too deep they'll come wander around and then go back in and sleep for another week or two or you know just hibernate but especially this time of year and this march time frame getting into april i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's about that time. Yep. Uh, I, I've, I've, <laughs> been, I've been considering going going to my uh, going to my den area and looking to see if some bears have popped the hole yet. I, I think it's no. a bit premature, but uh, the, the earliest I've seen one in the spotter, I I have a spot that I that I can glass up from a road. That's kind of my gauge. Like if I see bears from here, out on this mountain from the highway with my spotter then I know it's time. Like mm-hmm. I, I know it's a good time to go strap on the snowshoes and go camp for a couple of days up in the mountains. Yeah. Um, but the earliest I've seen them was like <clears throat> April 7th. Um, but you know, that can vary from bear to bear. They're individuals. I love spot and stock bear hunting. So much fun. And I, I've, I've yet to take one, you yeah. know, I, I never come across the right one, but yeah. I've seen lots of bears. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and to that statement as well, I haven't shot one on snowshoes in the spring, but I've had encounters. I, 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 well, I won't get into the story right now, but I, I've had some encounters. I, I've, I've been glassing from one spot looking at, looking at a den uh, that, that I thought was a den across the valley. And then I saw tracks 50 yards from me in this avalanche chute. And I walked around the corner on this castle of rocks and there was a den about 50 yards from me <laughs> with fresh tracks coming out of it. I mean, probably a day or two prior and it was right next to me. So that, yeah, that, that, that type of hunting is a lot of fun. And I've had the opportunity one time to take one, but it wasn't the right situation and mm-hmm. just didn't pan out. But yeah. anyway, well, when you're, uh, pretty well, when you're predator calling, you're taking your rifle in and out of your vehicle a lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you put your rifle in the back of your truck, in the back seat, or maybe you stick it up in the front seat, depending on what you got, your setup is, yep. um, there's always, I know I've always been really careful about how I set it in. I don't want it to fall over, especially because mm-hmm. I'm worried most about the glass. Yeah. Yep. Well, uh, Ryan Lamper solved that problem for us with yes. the Stealthy Hunter rifle cover. Yeah. Amen. We already plugged the uh, <laughs> glassing pad earlier. It's great yep. for when you're out in the woods and uh it 
the peace of mind of having that cover on there. And if you're it, snow machining, oh yeah, ha- oh. having it to cover up your rifle if you have your rifle on your back right. like I do. Yeah, that that rifle cover keeps the snow off the scope, out of the action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a little crown cover that covers the barrel as well. Not mm-hmm. that you shouldn't have your barrel taped, but if you happen to shoot. And you haven't retaped your barrel yet. That crown cover, yeah. mm-hmm. that ground, uh, a crown cover covers into your barrel and uh, keeps the snow and debris out of that. Out. Oh yeah, oh it's it's, cool. it's a phenomenal. And, and piece we of have equipment. a discount code through the podcast. If you apply the code at checkout, the Northern Hunter, you'll save on anything from Stealthy Hunter mm-hmm. as well as Yukon River knives, yeah. which yeah. you will need when you're skinning out That's your predators. Right. Yeah, and they even um, have a small game knife. Yes, the small game knife is real handy. I know I was showing you the Hunter earlier. That's, That's a great. Slick. It's a great do-it-all hunting knife, and uh, a portion of all their profits goes to support a missionary in Alaska. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about bear baiting as well. Baitum 907 yeah. makes the best yeah. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. bear baiting attractants and lures in the business. We uh, they do. get you talk- some nasty boar and bring those bears in. It's about that time. Yeah. Talked about trapping and, and bait piles for predator yeah. hunting, and uh, they also make bait. Yeah. Uh, they also make trapping lures as well. Yeah. I know somebody that uses nasty boar for a trapping yeah, lure. Yeah, I imagine it works really? very well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Real, I bet it works. <laughs> real potent stuff right there. So, yeah. And if you're doing any reloading for your predator rifle, check out some hammer bullets. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as we found out, they even have 20 caliber. So, <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure we'll all be experimenting with those for this next season. So, All right. Well, aside from that, you guys got any final thoughts? I think that just about wraps it up. Thanks for coming on All the right. show. Yeah, thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. It's been fun. It was yeah, great. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you uh, could cut some time out of your out of your day. I'm sorry we went a little bit late tonight, but oh, I, it's I been fun. It's, it's been yeah. a lot of fun. Thanks so. for, we'll thanks for having you on again. Yeah. Thanks. We'll have to have you on and talk about bear baiting once that kicks in. Yeah. I'd love to come on and talk about that. That's yeah. my, that's my second We're favorite. All bear baiting fools. In here. Oh yeah. Oh, so. yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> I've been, I've been at bear bait since I was seven. So yeah. Yeah. I, I'm envious, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this is my like my least favorite month of the year because it's it's right around the corner and I just, it's just yeah. uh, I I love it because it's warm and there's so much hope in the air. There's, right? there is and, hope, and, and there's there's so much to look forward to, you know. And, yeah, it's it's a great time yeah. to get to prep. Just waiting to get yeah. on my wheeler, man. Yeah, but yeah, I just yeah. dug mine out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. Yeah. Well, I got to get to get it in the shop and go through it. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, guys. Well, hopefully you liked the show. Got a lot of good information from it. If you did, uh, go ahead and give us a rating on whatever channel you're listening on and uh, make sure you're following and sharing it with your friends. You know, if if anybody's interested in getting into predator hunting, there's a lot of great opportunity up here and a lot of great information on the show. So get it out to your friends and you can check out our our social medias. We got at the Northern Hunter on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Here soon, we're going to be uploading these podcasts to YouTube, I believe. So you can check us out there. And, uh, oh, is that your handle? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Gotcha. And if you want to look up, it's okay. And if you want to look up our, our guest here, Chris, you can look him up at Apex Dash Alaska on Instagram. And definitely go throw him a like. So, yeah, appreciate that. All right. Well, we've had a lot of fun and we're going to get out of here. So, all right. Get out there, get after it, and good luck. We'll catch you next week. Yep. See you next time. Thanks, kids.